What can we expect from season Thank you for being here tonight. Uh, we saw a lot with your character last season, kind of trying to, like, processing grief, processing the loss of a... DBPS 4. What can we expect from season 5? 5, 5, 4, 4, 3, Sorry, three, I didn't count. I was two, burping. No. Oh, hold on. Do it again. <laughs> <laughs> Good thing you got your mac and cheese. <laughs> it's vegan. It's fine. Dude, do you have... Do you have... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's what I was worried about. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm happy you have your mac and cheese for the show. Is your phone is your phone on, ready to ring? It's, re it's you got ready to ring. It's on it's on my desk, so it's gonna have a great buzzing sound. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right, let's do it. Danden, Danden. All right. Welcome to Danden Bravo, a podcast news magazine, a cultural platform that unveils the most impactful cultural moments of a single year and the year in question this episode is 1991 1991 yes i love that one in there yeah it really feels like the decade is on is going now definitely, definitely. <laughs> yeah now we're in it uh it's danden brava for the lady listeners okay Actually, it's Danden Bravex. How uh, about this? Yeah. It's Danden Brazier. Oh. <laughs> it's a different word, huh? <laughs> How about Danden Brass? <laughs> well. Just use different words, huh? Yeah, but it's close. <laughs> BRA is very close to another BRA word. So, hey guys, whoever you are, uh, thanks for showing up. Thanks for not standing us up on this date, this pod yeah. date we have with you. Yeah. yeah, we got all your RSVPs. We'll make sure that we have a clean attendance record. Um, that nobody stood us up. Nobody ghosted us. That's not a term from the 90s, but... No. Yeah. Ooh, but ghost was... Ooh, a 1990s <laughs> ghost. With Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> Um. <laughs> yeah, that's like the tone of that movie. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Demi Moore. <laughs> yeah. Actually, the tra the train ghost is really scary. That guy on the train like freaked me out as a kid. Uh, from the movie Ghost. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember. He don't was scary. Remember. And the scene where he gets like uh, shot and killed is scary. That moment yeah. is scary. It's trippy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. So anyway, this is this is Dan and Bravo, nineteen ninety one. We did talk yes. about ghosts on our last episode of Dan and Bravo, nineteen ninety. But in nineteen ninety one, we will not anymore. This Dan and Bravo thing is basically like we're gonna talk about, you know, from sports to telly to uh, sex and gossip to. <laughs> books and tv and all this random garbage we're going to talk about different different topics that were important this year right we're putting <laughs> yes we're putting 1991 
in context for the listeners. We're, there you we're go. taking a look back. We're we're setting the scene. We're giving uh, you know we're just laying the ground for gro- the groundwork for what happened. <laughs> yeah, reminiscing, but still in a time where we, you know, we were alive, but not really comprehending anything. But still, well, some of us are. Remin- some of us, uh, some of us who were like a little bit smarter, quick-witted, <laughs> <laughs> than the others. They, we knew what was going on uh, as early as 1991. <laughs> Namely, uh, well, I don't want to go out of presenter order, but yeah, someone. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um, we should introduce ourselves in presenter order. Also, we, we should. Yeah, let's do that. Yep. Uh, yes, it's me. I'm I'm the first presenter that goes in order. I'm presenter Brandon. Uh, 1991. I was two years old. For, for I was one for a little bit of it, I guess, and then I was two. Same. Presenter Danny here, also one for a little bit of 1991, and then two. Um, I'm the baby of the three. <laughs> of the presenters and i am the oldest and i am the one who i was kind of referring to a little bit a, a little while ago <laughs> about who was like picking up on things a little earlier than the others that was me dave cologne presenter the oldest and in 1991 i was mainly two but at the end yeah. in december i was um three as well so yeah, you had like a solid like three and a half weeks, a solid three and a half weeks of being pre and three. Yes. Um, so I'm really coming in to my own during this time period. I was probably <laughs> close to starting preschool. Pretty close. Next year. Pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> I start preschool. But um, this show... I, do we, have, we don't have to explain it anymore, right? What, what, no, no. Okay, whatever. We talk about 1991 and all these different uh, areas, yeah. And it's yeah. fun. It's a lot of fun. And it's lighthearted, okay? It's lighthearted. It's entertainment tonight. Yes. yes. Entertainment of uh, thir- 30 years ago. Thir- 30-ish, 30-ish years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So not tonight. 30-ish years ago. Entertainment 30-ish years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh... We always start off with um, something we can all talk about. Something that's gonna, it's a good icebreaker because it's its like the classic small talk uh, yeah. theme, which is weather. Mm-hmm. And yeah. right. we have a very special weatherman, Dan, who is going to uh, lead us into that topic. We feel like it's really important and necessary to highlight weather of the past because there's not anything interesting going on now in, in the, these times with weather. <laughs> not really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nothing substantial. There's been a bit of a weather drought recently, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. A drought of any. Yeah. yeah a drought of any no weather, weather at all. <laughs> Yeah, there's been no atmosphere. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it all went away. It, it, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, Pro- probably are uh, um, some people's uh, hair products from the '90s ate away at the atmosphere. Oh. Yeah, yeah, ozone, ozone, fucked up the ozone. Oh, imagine doing the O face, <laughs> doing your O face in the ozone. Oh. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> Can you imagine that? <laughs> All right. Well, enough talk about the ozone. Let's get back to the bro zone. Yeah. 
Right. Um, Danden, Danden. All right, it's me, lowest form of conversation, Danny. The we- <laughs> uh, AKA Weather Dan, AKA uh, Precipitation. Uh huh. <laughs> okay. So, the hot- Weather Cack. <laughs> All right. Uh, Dan Plur Radar. Okay. So, there's um, a couple big weather moments. That I'm just going to talk about from 1991. Um, okay. I'm not going to get into like any averages or average shit, average temperature. Fuck the average. No, no, no average stuff here. It's strictly above average yeah. stuff when it comes to the weather <laughs> of 1991. Um, the first thing I'm going to talk about going to talk about is pretty terrible. It was the Bangladesh cyclone of 1991. Um, this killed a lot of people. It was really fucked up. Uh, in April 29th. I love that baseball team, Devi- by the way. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, a devastating cyclone hit the South Asian nation of Bangladesh, killing more than 135,000 people. Oh, Jesus. man. Yeah, this is insane. Yeah, so it caused more than $1.5 billion in damage. It's one of the worst of the 20th century. And I learned something new. Uh, as a weatherman, you think I would have known this already. Uh, for whatever reason, I didn't. Uh, the cyclone is the name given to hurricane-type storms that arise in the, in the Indian Ocean. Typhoons are those that start in the Pacific Ocean. Huh. And hurricanes are those found in the Atlantic. Okay. Why? Didn't know, didn't know that. Isn't that crazy? I don't know. That's the... Are they all the same, though? Yeah. Yes. All very similar things. They're yes. all clones. Cyclones. <laughs> and right. Huraclones, right. Right, yeah. But yeah, those are the different names. The same um, kind of twisty thing? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, sure, yeah. They're they're in, they're in intense storms. Right. Um, but yeah, they're, it's the different names are because of the geography. Didn't know that. Okay. Uh, so, in 1970... You know it, it's kind of like how I'm David up here, but I go down to my uh, motherland of Puerto Rico. I'm David. So my name changes in different uh, geographical places as well. True. True. It's like uh, different uh, movie titles in different countries. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yep. Right? Or uh, or shows. Mm-hmm. Um, like you've got uh, American Idol and Pop Idol. <laughs> uh, you've got... <laughs> this, is, this is the best example to use. Like, where there's just the name of the country. You've got uh, The Voice... The Voice UK. So the same kind of thing happens in, in weather as it does in TV. Right. <clears throat> and correct. people. <laughs> All right. uh, in, okay. As I was saying before, I was rudely interrupted, which does <laughs> well, not okay. happen when people do the weather report. <laughs> they never get interrupted. This is insane. <laughs> that we're going to allow that kind of stuff. This is important that people need to know. True. About the weather from 30-ish years ago. Um, okay, in 1970, an estimated 300,000 to 500,000 people lost their lives to a powerful cyclone, prompting locals in Bangladesh to build some storm shelters. However, not enough people took advantage of these havens before the 1991 storm, deciding to wait out the cyclone in their mud and straw huts, and this proved disastrous when 150 mile an hour winds caused a 20 foot surge of water across the region 
and some islands Gosh, were entirely gosh. swamped. Yeah. Thousands of people were washed out to sea and drowned during the nine-hour storm. Oh <laughs> like my this God. is it's horrible. Yes, yeah, so I wanted to make sure to start off the show like with this kind of thing. All right, you guys have any comments? I got another big weather event this year. You One know, more. Weather isn't so boring after all. The way you <laughs> talk about it. Yeah, it could yeah. be horrible. Devastating. Yeah, over a billion dollars in damage. Um, but also in 1991, and this uh, ties into uh, Mr. Movie Guy Brandon a little bit. <laughs> 1991 also had the perfect storm. Oh. Uh, also known as the No Name Storm and the Halloween Gale Storm. It was a nor'easter that absorbed Hurricane Grace and ultimately evolved into a small unnamed hurricane itself late in its life cycle. Um, and it became known as the Perfect Storm, mm-hmm. um, which, as we know, the uh, based on a book... Not, well, okay. The storm isn't based the on a book. The storm is not based on a book. <laughs> yeah. Actually, yeah. The book came first. <laughs> the, storm, the storm did not do the book justice, though. Like, I really don't think it really was faithful. God. That author was very powerful. He wrote a, a storm that happened. <laughs> that ha- Crazy. Um, so... Uh, Okay, so yeah, in the middle of the storm, the fishing vessel Andrea Gale sank, killing her crew of six and inspiring the book and later movie, The Perfect Storm, or, you know, whichever order. I, mean, I don't think that's the actual <laughs> order of events, but... Uh, and Gale, was, Gale the was storm. The, uh, the last name of Dorothy, famous tornado girl from Wizard of Oz. Yes, it all, oh. it all, it all ties in. That's right. That's right. Uh, <laughs> the Halloween storm left significant damage along the east coast of the U.S., primarily in Massachusetts and southern New Jersey. Uh, headquarters of Dan and Brave. Ooh, what up? Maybe not southern New Jersey, but that's that's a debate among New Jersey people. You wouldn't get it. Or central. Um, yeah. <laughs> central. Uh, across seven states, damage totaled over $200 million. So... A lot of ignorant Americans may think of the perfect storm as like, well, that was the storm in 91. No, it wasn't. 150,000 people died in Bangladesh. Yeah. Over, and yeah. it was a much bigger problem. <laughs> but but it wasn't as perfect. It wasn't as perfect. Exactly. It was more... Yeah, it was flawed. Exactly. It was, flawed. It was flawed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a very flawed but deadly storm. So over a three-day period, the storm lashed the northeastern United States with high waves, causing damage to beachfront properties from North Carolina to Maine. And then in Massachusetts, where the damage was the heaviest, over 100 homes were destroyed or severely damaged. And to the north, more than 100 homes were affected in Maine, including the vacation home of then-president George H.W. Bush. <laughs> Damn. Uh, uh, the death toll altogether was 13, so not quite the death toll of the Bangladesh storm. Only 13 people died. D- hey, Dan, I'm sure during that period... Um, George H. W. Bush, the uh, the H and W stood for how, what? Because <laughs> he was so shocked about his house getting damaged. Yeah, or maybe uh, <laughs> Hurricane what? <laughs> okay, yeah, Hurricane what? <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, I mean it was a perfect enough storm to have a movie made about it and a book. So 
It was a pretty big deal. But 13 people died. Half of them were on that one boat. <laughs> oh. So, yeah. no, that still was a tragedy. Uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Fuck whatever. Wahlberg. Fuck Wahlberg. <laughs> um, damn. That's some hardcore weather, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Start taking me seriously. <laughs> people Dan, are people are dying out there. Dan, I think you're going to get tenure after that uh, <laughs> report. You're here to yeah, stay. That was an excellent weather, an excellent weather past cast. We forgot to say that too. It's not the weather forecast. Oh, yeah. It's the weather past cast. Wait, is that does is that it for your weather? Uh, yeah, that's. I think those you are. don't um you don't have like the highest temp of the year or anything. Nah, who cares? <laughs> cool. Thank you. Uh, thank you for your report, Dan. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's since that's over. Why don't we move on over to our next segment of 1991, and it's going to be starring presenter Brandon, and I think he's going to be talking about some of the books and some of the technology of 1991. Dandin, dandin. That's right. And you know, you know, on first thought, you may not think books and technology are tied together but you know they are there was a form of technology that made books you know printing press that's a form of technology and then eventually you buy books on the internet and then books are on the internet and so you know they're forever they're forever tied together and um so it's been it it makes a lot of sense and you know when you go on the internet (laughs) to buy those books you go to a website right yeah well, okay. in 1991. Okay. Okay. Are you are you with me? Are you with me? <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> you lost me. I think the first yes. website was launched in 1991. The very first. Wow. Oh, one. really? Yes. Uh, the actual address was uh, info.cern.ch slash hypertext slash www.theproject.html that is the first uh, web address easy 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 yeah. <laughs> accessible yeah. very very easy yeah. so uh, listeners may notice that you know it said CERN CERN is the uh, the giant underground hadron collider that's like under France and like Europe you know it's like an under it's a super collider where they smash atoms together to figure out how the big bang happened so that's what cern is and they were the uh, ah. the first ones to uh to put a website up so it's the first like publicly available the first website. publicly ah. yeah uh it basically just looks like, yeah yeah ba- like there's no apparently there's no existing screenshot but uh it kind of like there's like a a, a version from 92 it just kind of looks like html links what yeah, and this is before like Mozilla, right? What what browser did they use? <laughs> Do you know? That's a good question. <laughs> I don't think it was on I mean, I guess it had to have been on a type of browser. Okay. But uh I don't really know that part. But it was on Wait, browser? I- <laughs> Or browser, <laughs> down Danden browser for the ladies. Um, um, 
It was yes. probably a it's probably a porn site that website. I mean, <laughs> it probably was porn, yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, but then for books, you know, generations of people have uh, are forever in debt to their knowledge due to something that happened in 1991, and that is the launch of the Four Dummies series oh, of books. Oh yes. Okay. Um, of course, I've never touched one of those books, but <laughs> I know many idiots who have. Well, you know, there are some there are some really great topics that that they've covered. Um, there's, of course, you have chess for dummies, but they also yes. have chess openings for dummies. Two separate books. Okay. Um, <laughs> two you know, separate books. Two separate wow. books for chess and chess openings. Uh, similarly. Um, medical dosage calculations, you know, because that's definitely not something they'll teach you in medical school. You got to go get that, you know, for casual <laughs> readers, for dummies to get your uh, Medicare prescription drug coverage. That's another one that they made. Um, baby massages, passing exams. Baby massages? Uh, Dad's guide to the baby's first year. So the whole first year they have you covered through the whole process. Okay. Um, and eBay for seniors ebay for seniors yes <laughs> um and then seven different editions of ipods and itunes for dummies oh wow whoa so you what, know what was they, the first dummy do you do you have that the I, first like what that launched I, the series you know I, what? I, don't know. I actually was i forgot to write that down dummy <laughs> i should have done yeah. research for dummies <laughs> Yeah, I think we I think we all three of us need a book called High Energy for Dummies. <laughs> Damn. Uh it I was think it was the, DOS. Um, it was the, DOS. Oh, DOS for dummies. Okay. I like that alliteration. I think the baby massage is referring to like when you have tiny baby hands. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's not massaging big misconception. They you think it's about massaging babies. No, no, no. It's when you have tiny baby hands. It's like a it's a rare disorder. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you know we have the first, the, we have the first website ever, and then the the launch of the Four Dummies series. Have you guys ever had any Four Dummies books? Um, I already said I don't, I never touched them, but let me think. Uh, I know honestly, true truth to be told, I I don't think so. I used to like browsing them in uh, the bookstore though. I got a, for Christmas in middle school, I got like a, it was music theory for dummies. Okay. Um, but that was the only one I ever had. Never had one. I could really use reading comprehension for dummies though. <laughs> that's like, yeah. That's like why I'm not reading anything. Cause I, yeah. I actually I think that, they, I think I saw that on the list. There are hundreds of them. I, I was scrolling forever reading all the entries on the list, um, on their website. They have. A large amount of entries. So that's books and technology for you. I might try, yeah, like cool. podcasting for dummies. Or yeah. yeah. <laughs> not a not a bad idea for all of us. Podcast episode titling for dummies. <laughs> <laughs> oh oh yeah, oh, wait, I forgot my two favorite ones. Um, raising happy children and then also raising smart kids. Uh, two different books. <laughs> Damn. Damn. I just want to know what some of the, the like filler content. I mean, a lot of these topics clearly like okay, another one was green smoothies. So there's no non green smoothies in that whole book. Yeah. I, I just don't understand what the filling what the filler text is. Maybe it's small. <laughs> a small book. Pocket editions. It could be. 
I mean, how much can you really write Could about be. green smoothies? Apparently $25 worth. They all were the same price, Holy pretty shit. much. There's a lot of different shades of green, though. True. All right. Forest. Forest green. Uh, There's forest. (laughs) There's a... There's forest. Light light green. (laughs) Light. Light. Dark brownish green. Olive. Lime. True. All right, let's move on to Dan. Let's go back to Dan. Okay, thank you for your segments. And thank you for bridging those segments together. I think... You did it very well. <laughs> yeah, good job, Demi. <laughs> Danden, Danden. All right, it's Dummy Danny. I'm back um, with, uh, well, actually, uh, that is not my name for this segment. My name for this segment is Little Kid Danny. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> Talking about toys and games from uh, 1991. Toys and games. Um, Going to talk about toys first um i guess i'm also toy dand toy dand <laughs> toy <laughs> dand toy dand uh okay uh as a follow-up from the 1990 episode i could not find any data on sex toy sales oh, uh, oh wow <laughs> like per year couldn't find anything Maybe? i don't like i i looked i don't know where to look i, I even i tried looking up toy sex toy manufacturers to see if right. like I really tried to dig it in. It probably didn't really have a boom until a little bit later. Well, what I did find is that in the 90s in general, silicone became the top material for sex toys for a skin-like feel. Right. I did learn that. It wasn't all silicone stuff before that. So the 90s, silicone blew up. Um, plus, yeah, plus without the discreetness of the internet, like you had to go to a store, so it probably just wasn't as big. Yeah. It was called silicone... On land, but uh, hurricane. I don't know. I'm trying to tie it to your weather thing. Hurricane. Well, because you know, cyclone kind of sounds like silicone. Like, okay. All right, Um, you got it. (laughs) How about when you interrupt me, Dave? Come prepared with a full joke. You can interrupt me with a full it joke, a, but it like, was like a I thought, idea. it was like a good joke idea. I needed you to help me finish it. You interrupted me with a thought, <laughs> like, like, not, but like, not even a full thought. Well, I was hoping we could finish that joke together as a, as a group. <laughs> uh, well, I'll, okay. Well, I have two full thoughts. It, it should be Braves and Toy Dand. Okay. And uh, I also want to point out nice. uh, that it looks like you're wearing o- overalls with no shirt underneath dan right now and i like it it's funny (laughs) thank you okay all right so uh that's that's my sex toy corner (laughs) so the in terms of the highest selling toys i did mention this last year we were lucky because like the highest selling toy when you look it up it was the ninja turtles uh, um, right right action figures last year right and that's think most would consider that a toy this year when when you look up a high selling toys it's video game stuff and that just continues to be just dominant and i think it's just going to be dominant throughout throughout the decade so um what was big this year in toys was game boy which i talked about at length last year but it's back uh so it's back like because there were game boy games that had come out because the game boy had already launched at this point, but like this is the year where it really starts selling immensely. But this year it's Game Boy versus Sega Game Gear. 
Oh, That's like yeah. the big kind of, yeah, right? So they both came out this year, and it was a big, especially holiday sort of item. Um, and Sega Game Gear sold to its audience as the cooler alternative to the Game Boy, and it demonstrated technology maturity against its previous rivals. Um, so as we learned last year, Game Boy was about $90, right? How much do you think the Game Gear was? Uh, 150 Okay, Dave? It's more mature. It's, it's going to be a more mature price. So I'm thinking, yeah, it will be higher, like Brandon said. 112 112 Okay. 112 Um a 90s group also. Um <laughs> uh, from formed by Diddy, I think. Yeah. Okay. Uh uh Brandon was basically exactly right. It's 149.90. So, it was wow. a penny off. <laughs> um uh yeah. If they were really trying to um get the older kid route, like or crowd demographic, why didn't they call it game <laughs> like game teen? Or game tween, <laughs> or something. You know, what I mean, like, because yeah. it's versus Game Boy. It's like this is more for more grown up kids. Like, so I don't know, G- game eighth grade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so with this price, sales reaching five hundred thousand for the launch year, and then nine hundred thousand by nineteen ninety two. So the Game Gear was very popular. Um, mm-hmm. Even uh, with a full color backlit screen, which the Game Boy didn't have. That's like right. this is that's like. I'd have to imagine a huge part of why like the price was way more. It, it was color and a landscape format. The console couldn't uh, edge Game Boy at being the most popular console. Game Boy still won. Um, Game Gear had a shorter battery life, too. That was like, oh. a big problem with it. Yeah, shorter battery life and a lack of original games. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't have as many games as Game Boy had. So Game Boy is actually the best-selling toy of 91. Um, but like I said, unfortunately, we kind of talked at length about that last year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Went into the whole kind of Game Boy segment. But I thought this was interesting. So know, I always... Comes into play. And, and I'm going to start talking about Sega a little more in my next part, too. Okay. Uh, I always forget that I had a Game Gear. Um, because I only ever had game systems at my dad's. And then, I guess, pretty, sh- you know, a couple years... I, we must have gotten the Game Gear late because... I don't like I, I you know I didn't my dad didn't like move until like 95 but the and so then the, the Nintendo 64 overshadowed it but the Game Gear was very cool I remember it did have like a, a battery pack you can screw on to make the battery life bigger and I yeah. had Sonic and X-Men those were like the two games that I played on that it definitely just looked it definitely looked way cooler than Game Boy it like, was it cool was, it was like, yeah. I don't know if I've ever seen it it was also it was called something else in Japan it was called the Sega Ah, man, I saw this and I cannot remember. I don't have it in front of me. But Brandon, you're a research guy, so... Yeah. Okay. (laughs) No, no, you don't have to look it up. It was called... um, No, no, no. It was called something else. (laughs) Again, this is kind of going into the uh, whole cyclone uh, hurricane thing. Different uh, regions, different names. Thank you. Thank you. You can interrupt me for that. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Not seeing it, man. Sega Retro? No, it was, it was like originally called something like something else, and then they eventually got changed to Game Gear. But it was always in North America, Sega Game Gear. Um, all right, no worries. So I have a lot of um, video game um, notable releases of 1991, right? Okay. I can just kind of 
blow through these, right? So we talked about Super Nintendo last year and the Super Mario World. Super Nintendo gets released this Blow year hard. in North America. In North America, so it, Super Nintendo is huge uh, in 1991, right? Street Fighter Two for arcades comes out this year, right? Okay. And it's routinely listed oh, as like. One the grandfather of the fighting game genre. Um, it's credited with revitalizing the arcade game industry at the time. So Street Fighter Two is really big. Um, Never Winter Nights is credited as the first graphical MMORPG ever. Oh, wow. That comes out in 1991. So that's, mm-hmm. Dave, uh, for you, you don't know. It's massively multiplayer online role-playing <laughs> game, MMORPG. Oh, oh it, okay. It ran on AOL. You played it on AOL. In 1991? Yeah, apparently. Yeah. But. MMORPG on AOL. I don't see how this works out because the first website came out in 1991. According to Tech News. I think like there was still internet, but you just didn't have like okay. websites. I don't know how that works though. What did you do? Yeah, it's a good point actually. Um, hmm. Hmm. I don't know. It says it ran on AOL. That's that's all I got. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Nintendo releases uh, Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past, for um, Super Famicom in Japan. Ooh. Um, Past. That's pretty big for our show. Th- big theme for our, <laughs> our uh, program. Past. <laughs> Correct. Uh, um, Tecmo releases Tecmo Super Bowl. For NES, it's a follow-up to 89's Tecmo Bowl. This is Tecmo Super Bowl. Uh, It was (laughs) the first sports video game that was licensed by both the NFL and the National Football League Players Association, thus allowing the game to use both the names and attributes of real NFL teams and real NFL players. So this is a very big deal in the sports video game world. And then... The biggest thing to happen in um, in video games this year is Sega releases Sonic the Hedgehog for Sega Genesis. Um, oh. Huge, the, the the staple for Sega. Like the like, it later becomes the pack-in game and defining title for the console. It introduces the you know the eponymous character who'd gone to be Sega's mascot. They also release a version of the game for the Master System and Game Gear. Uh, which Brandon said. And then from October to December in 91, the Sega Genesis outsold the Super NES by two to one. Sega had a better year than Super Nintendo in 1991 because of Sonic. Like, Sonic was right. huge. Yeah. Um, although Nintendo eventually overtook Sega, mm-hmm. it was the first time since December of 1985 that Nintendo didn't lead the console market. Sega was winning it, like this year. Sonic was also Blockbuster Video's most rented game that year. Um, and just quickly, I mean... Go ahead, Dave. What no, you I say? don't have a thought. This was breathing or something. <laughs> 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 I didn't have Sonic. I didn't have Genesis. I had Super, Super Nintendo. It, it's better graphics, for sure. I know they have, like... It's, it's, it's smoother, uh, like, animation and stuff like that. Um, the Genesis yeah. had like like a quicker hardware or whatever you call it. <laughs> um, it's quicker, which is which is why they had a, such a quick lead character. Can you guys hear this? The music? Yeah. I mean, yes. This is as Dave. Everything you're saying is correct, but what I remember most about Sonic is the music is the absolute best. I I think it's my favorite video game music. Period. 
for like this game and Sonic 2. Chemical. Um, yeah, Chemical Plant 3 is the best one. That's from the second game, though. Yeah. Which comes out next year. From the original game, it's this is probably the best song, I think. Green Hill Zone. Yeah, don't know why you said that, Brandon. A little off topic. <laughs> <laughs> like this uh, one is also... Yeah, I, I always kind of reference Sonic as like band sounding like Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. Like, I like to say how, like, um, <laughs> yeah, like the band Genesis has a lot of songs that just, they do these, do these like, pro- proggy, like, hyper-speed jams that, that sound like Sonic the Hedgehog to me. Yes. Which is why I like Genesis so much. Great music. Yeah. No, it's, um, it's so cool. I read a little bit about it. It's like a J-pop. It's a, the leader of a J-pop band did the music for Sonic. Hey, Dan, you know what's weird? The band Genesis sounds like Sonic the Hedgehog, and Sonic the Hedgehog came out on the Sega Genesis console. There you go. Wow. I never even put that, put that together. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I mean, these are all things with video games. I do have my separate now, my board game, uh, quick... Uh, segment too i know this is uh Hell yeah a little long oh, I, it's just, just... I just wanted to ask you i just i did want to just ask real quick like because like i also didn't uh, aside from owning sonic on the game gear like i didn't have like a long term did like dan did you have like an like a long-term attachment to sonic in, like in terms of like gameplay no was it mostly I... the music because for me too it was mostly the music and a lot of this stuff is like more recent than the 90s for me like okay. i i was never much I played video games not nearly as much as my friends did. Like, I didn't have a Sega Genesis. I, I didn't have Nintendo or Super Nintendo either. Like, these are all things my friends had. Oh. And I would, like, go to their house okay. and we yeah. would play these things. Like, I think I didn't get my own gaming system until Pi PlayStation came out. I was always very late. I was very behind with video games in general. Like, I was not a gamer by any means. I always enjoyed playing the older games. And then... In high school, when we would do the emulators, I loved that so much. Right. Like, and that's kind of when I yeah. got especially familiar with a lot of this stuff um, and playing a lot right. of these games. And that's when I really learned that, like, okay, the music from Sonic is, like, really great. It's so good. Yeah. I don't know too much about, like, why, I guess, the more I'm thinking about it. But I, guess, I, I never was, like, attached to the gameplay of Sonic. It felt, like... Obviously, like you're you're running around real fast and doing like the loops and stuff, but I guess it felt like pretty on the rails. Like you couldn't really like do your own thing, which I probably is why I like the Zelda games more. And I don't know. I mean, I guess Mario is the same. Like you, you know, it's a side scroller and you still have to go. But I guess platformer. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's more of a plat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Sonic was just about going fast. Like especially like those first like few levels. It's just like it's done. It's done in a few <laughs> seconds. Like. <laughs> Right. You know, yeah, like you don't, a lot of it you just like miss out on because the whole thing is just, you're just going going so so fast. fast. Right. That's like kind of the whole thing. Um, That's, that's probably why you couldn't get attached to it because it was just like going, (laughs) passing me by. I was trying to hold on to the gameplay. I already have um, life passing me by at four years old, you know, or however old I was. Yeah. (laughs) I I do love that phrasing. I never got attached to the gameplay. (laughs) <laughs> I never thought about getting attached to any kind of gameplay in any any video game, but I'm sure I did. But I like that phrasing a lot. <laughs> Let's get to board games. <laughs> All right. 
so I'm into that. This is I was into board games for sure into nineteen in nineteen ninety one. I know that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, Dave is Dave should be doing this segment. He is the leader of um, the Emperor of Dandyland or whatever. <laughs> um, what is it? It's not Emperor. The uh, <laughs> Emperor. Uh, <laughs> I I like that. Th- I don't think I had a title. Did I have a title? I think it da- was a mayor. Think creator. Da- uh, maybe it's mayor. Creator. I said create. I was a creator, like kind of like a Willy Wonka type. I think Dandyland would have an emperor. <laughs> I, uh, yes, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Okay. It's not um, a democracy. I know that. <laughs> right. All right, um, so I'm very happy and excited to talk about this for a little bit. So, because this is a game I played a lot. Um, this bo- the best-selling board game, or uh, I think it's best-selling. It was, the website says most popular, so whatever that means. I'm assuming it's a best-selling board game. Um, it's called Nightmare, but it's a part of the Atmosphere series of board games and atmosphere is spelled with an f it's a-t-m-o-s-f-e-a-r okay so i want to first just do a quick clip of the atmosphere well it's called nightmare of the atmosphere series commercial and then i can talk about my affiliation with it the game nightmare the game hosted by a video to win you must stop it Roll the, <laughs> the video board game nightmare the gatekeeper talks to you Who's turn is it <laughs> and you must answer him answer me yes my gatekeeper go for it nightmare a race against Whoa. time for three to six very good okay <laughs> so it's uh, God, I'm so happy that this came up this year. I wasn't expecting it to come up. I don't know this um, at all. This is kind of <laughs> cool looking. Um, so about uh, when we were in college, so summertime in college, I was going over um, to, I guess I'll use first and last name. <laughs> Let's go. All right. It's because uh, Chris Gillen is a big listener of the show. So hopefully he listens to this episode. and He'll appreciate this. I was going over to him and, and Tim Gillen's house quite a bit. Like it was, it felt like every night of the week, at like for like a couple summers during college. It was very often. And what would happen a lot is, well, one night in particular, Tim just found, I think he found this game in his closet, uh, his Atmosphere. The version he had is called Atmosphere the Harbingers. It actually came out in 1995. So it's not the same, ex- it's, it's not the same exact game technically as his high seller in 91, but it's it's all the same rules. I read about it. It's essentially the same game. And it comes with a VHS and it lasts exactly one hour. Like it's a and it's like a, such an intense hour and it's so fun. And you can only play with six people. You can't play with any less. You can't play with any more. The only way you play this game is with exactly six people. So whenever we had a night where it was exactly six people left, like late at his house, we would be like, okay, we could play atmosphere. Like, <laughs> and it just became a thing we did pretty often at his house. I- I'm not kidding you. It's the most fun board game I've ever played. It's so hey, awesome. Dan, how many times were there like seven people at that house and you're like... <laughs> you gotta go, but you like you, you kick people out just because. I'm not kidding you. Like you had you it, were, you wanted to was, play nightmare. It, it it was like an unspoken thing where like we'd wait for six people to be there. Like we'd like. <laughs> like I like, be, that. like yeah Damn. like we more yeah like more people would start in the night and then you'd see people go home and then and then we'd like 
there's always like somebody like that would start counting. Counting, yeah, know, you're like, counting okay, the people in the room. <laughs> <laughs> we count who's there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was it was a thing. We played a bunch of times. It's so fun. The guy, like, it's okay. So to talk about it a little bit more, like, complete with a VHS cassette. It's Nightmare from designers Brett Clements and Philip Tan. Took place in a horror themed world called The Other Side. And six players compete to collect keys around the provinces on the game's board, all while working against a timer on the video cassette tape. Ultimately, players were encounter the gatekeeper, which is the guy we saw in that commercial, whose job is to prevent players from escaping to the other side. So you're playing this game, you're trying to collect keys, but then every couple minutes, the guy in the VHS shows up, and the game we play, he would show up and go like, "Stop! Who's next?" And then he would like say like a rule that you had to follow and it, it would always screw somebody over so bad like whatever he hey. would say like like stop you're banished like like it it's so fun and like very interactive um it's a horror video board game back when vcrs were all the rage um some games became interactive by incorporating a vhs tape in, into a couple gameplay. things a couple things so one it, w- it was the same tape every time, so you, d- you got used to... Would you know when he was going to say things? Like, It's a good question. So, same tape every time, but you're okay. not the same characters every time. Like, it's, it's like six different characters. So, like, your mission... Like, yeah, technically, he interrupts with the same instructions every time, but mm-hmm. it's associated to a different person every time. And there's also a stack of cards, which are huge, and, like, if you have to draw... They're called fate cards. If you have to... And, like, if you have to... The fate cards have tons of different things on them, you know, like like Monopoly, like Chance, like there's like, um, so you play it multiple times. The tape is the same, but okay. it really doesn't matter because different things happen every time because you're different characters. Um, and then I, what I remember specifically is the last ten minutes of the timer. The game gets totally insane. Like he's popping up like every twenty seconds, like saying something ridiculous that like has to like somebody I remember every time there'd be somebody in the lead in the last ten minutes, they'd be in last place. Like he would just completely screw people. Like it, it, it's it was it's really fun. It's Halloween themed. What a it's bitch. like <laughs> <laughs> the VHS tape, he like it's so low budget and so like funny and like stupid, but it's also kind of scary and like okay. really fun. That was, an, that was my second question. Uh, were you ever actually yeah. scared playing this game? <laughs> okay, I forgot. God, I forgot the best detail of, of like the objective of the game. Like, yeah, you have to collect keys, but at the beginning of the game, there's like this little like like bucket, and to start the game, each person has to write down on a piece of paper their biggest fear and put it into the bucket. Oh, you have to write down what your biggest fear is, and you put it into the bucket, and then if you make it to the end of the game, you have to pull out a piece of paper and read it and then the timer stops and you win but you don't win you have to like go back if you pick out your own fear which ha- which it's a one out of six chance but it does happen so like that's like it's insane it's such a fun game um i would love to play it again somehow you know but it's it takes a vhs and six people so <laughs> and you got to be in person um Maybe there's a way to play it online. I'll have to see. Yeah, I'm sure there's like on young YouTube. It there there's yeah. a uh, there's a community episode based around like one of those games. Uh, yeah, they, they it's like a Western one, and uh, they're like yeah, they they play that. And then a quick oh, oh, note. Oh, quick note too. I wanted yeah. to say. And then I'm done. Um, he kind of looks like Emperor Palpat Palpat. What's his name? Pimpleteen. 
<laughs> What's the guy from Star Wars? Yeah. Yes. He, yeah. It looks a Pimpleteen. lot like, yes. It's totally kind of, yeah, ripped off of that. Um, like in a, Palpatine. Old looking, like, guy in a hood. Like yes. Kind of like uh, <laughs> white paste, like pasty, pale. That's a very good comparison. Yeah, he looks exactly like that. Um, yeah, there's different characters like the mummy is a character. Uh, there's like, <laughs> right. Yeah. There's, um, like, a like a wolf man, I think, or something. I, I can't remember, but, Oh no, please. No. <laughs> <laughs> this is more in the vein of what you like the, Ooh, you said before, like the movie ghost, this is the more appropriate tone yeah. for that. Not the, not the movie ghost. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, quick note. So I use both the list from Popular Mechanics and Stacker.com of the most popular board games from the year you were born. That's the name of the article. Not article, uh-huh. list. Uh, they both said Atmosphere and Nightmare for this year was the game. But in 1990, if you remember, I said it was Crocodile Dentist. But the Stacker right. list said the biggest board game in 1990 was actually Monopoly Junior. Oh. So oh. who knows? So it's either Monopoly Junior or Crocodile Dentist for not for 1990. Monopoly Junior is the one where the Monopoly man is is pregnant, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's around the time like Jun- that movie Junior came yeah. out. So yeah, one one final thing All while right. we're in this game segment, I'm sorry, just to round out because I looked at the, the online thing and yeah, Dan was right. But I think basically, because I, I had the same reaction when I was like, oh, the first website in 91, I know the internet like existed before that. It's just like, I guess those gaming elements just are kind of like, you know, peer to peer and there's like text elements. So it's, it wasn't based around a website. It was okay. just like online. Nice. I, uh, I, I know this was very long, <laughs> the, whole, the whole game thing, but... It was, you know, I really wanted to make sure we talked about Sonic and then this board game especially because I played it. I really wanted to talk about it. Um, but yeah, okay. that's, that's, it for to- that's it for toys and games. It's, um, you know what? It's okay, Dan, because life is but a game and life is long. So it makes sense <laughs> that your game segment would be long. All right. Uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's your turn. Shut up. <laughs> Dandin, dandin. <gasps> All right. Well, I my segment I will be covering right now is celebrity gossip and sex from yes. 1991. And uh, like last year, we're gonna first discuss this year's it couple. Um, and this year's it couple is, I'm sure you, I'm sure if you um. If you're a music fan, you might have saw this coming because it's, of course, Courtney Love and Kurt Cobain. Oh, wow. you guys know this couple? Have you uh, heard of them? <laughs> <laughs> They're kind of like the Sid and Nancy of the '90s. <laughs> um. <laughs> anyway, so Kurt and Co- Kurt and Court, uh, the definition of grunge royalty. Uh, these musicians, they released albums in 1991. They both, both their bands released albums this year. Uh, ne- uh, Nirvana with Nevermind and Hole, Courtney Love's band with Pretty on the Inside. 
And with those two albums, they they cemented themselves as the effortlessly cool and cute couple of the X generation. <laughs> so <laughs> they got together the previous year, actually. This this grungy group grouping originally hooked up and fucked in the previous year, 1990. <laughs> but I think this is the year. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think this year was the first that Kurt said, Court, I your last name you. <laughs> so they kind of like moved up a step in their, their relationship. Things got more serious. Uh, after her and Kurt met, uh, friends of Courtney said they often Wait, heard Kermit? her singing. What? what? Oh, Kermit. <laughs> No, this is not Piggy and Kermit, sorry. After her and Kurt met, friends of Courtney said they often heard her sing her own version of a song made famous by an artist from the classic rock era. It went a little something like this. I do like, I do like, I do like Cobain. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, a staple of uh, Dan and Brave. Anyway, I was going to ask you guys, uh, do you guys care about this? I can feel like you I feel like you guys might not like th- this couple. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> do we care about this? Were you ever like stands of Kurt Kurt and Courtney? Yeah, I was a yeah, back then I was a big stand for them, like you know. <laughs> <laughs> I was skimming the blogs. <laughs> I was more Instead of the, the Gen X it, it couple, I was more into the D Generation X uh, it couple, which was X Pac and China. Well, Triple H and, and China at first. <laughs> right. Uh, 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 yeah, right. Yes. Wait, but, really? Wait, yeah, on, on, in wrestling, it was actually Triple H and China. And th- I think off, uh, off the cameras, it was X Pac and China in real life. Right. They, they had the sex tape. Yes. <laughs> and that was, and, and that was like. And wasn't that too when he was like actually going by like Hunter Hearst Helmsley? Like when he like would come out in like the big like, or that was Sable that was with him then, right? Yeah, I'm Maybe. not sure. Well, he definitely went by Triple H when he was in D Generation X. So I'm not right, sure. Right, right, right. Yeah. Damn, we may need to add Ooh. a wrestling segment. Oh, we we should oh, actually wow. maybe towards the end. Uh, well, yeah, you, that's your section. I mean, TV and wrest- wrestling in the '90s is it's peak, right? I mean, yeah, the popularity. I, I think so. Dan, I think uh, that's, yeah, I that's guess it you, would be, though. It would be sports. Sports and TV. All right, let's make... Th- mm-hmm. Got to add more to this show. It needs to be longer. It need, needs to be longer. Yeah, it needs to be longer. My personal <laughs> uh, it couple of uh, of that time period, though, was Pennywise and the Sewers. Ooh. <laughs> oh. Wow. 1991? I think that's when the, the this miniseries <laughs> came out. Okay. Um... Anyway, I give this dirty, dirgy duo a 9.5 on the mildew meter since Kurt hails from Seattle and his clothes are probably always getting rained on. And we, <laughs> we here at Dan and Bravo wish this twisted to some many years of luck to come. Um, maybe we'll check back in on them in a couple of years, see how they're doing. <laughs> definitely. We definitely should. Oh, b- based on that it reference by Brandon and his book segment, Brandon's new nickname can be the Stephen King of wishful thinking. Oh. 
Love it. Pennywise. And Pet Cemetery. No, he's at Pet Cemetery. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. <laughs> Stephen, King, Stephen King, Pet Cemetery. Okay, I wasn't sure. <laughs> if it's horror, it's King. Oh, yeah. If it's horror, it's King. <laughs> um, yeah. Slay King. <laughs> yeah. That was, um, that was the It Couple, but I think we're going to add the letters S, P, and L to the word It in order to divide a different union because it's time for this year's Split Couple of the Year. <gasps> Any guesses? Ooh. Always like to ask you guys if you have um, guesses for the split couple and not the if couple. Yeah, I like this. Ni- 91. Tom Arnold and Roseanne, I don't know the timeline of their relationship. I think it's, this is a little too early, I think, for them. Maybe. Okay. Can, can we get a clue? Is there a, what about okay, a clue? Okay, yeah. The clue is um, think of a state like Oklahoma or Alabama because it involves a southern land. One of the, oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. I don't know who I don't know the I don't know who he or either of the Sutherlands were. I, I don't know which one. Okay, I don't know who the it's, woman is. Uh, oh, is it Kiefer it, or Donald? It, uh, it's Kiefer. Kiefer and okay, and Julia Roberts. Y- yep, exactly. Wow. wow. Okay. This I never knew until I did my little research, but. This is a pretty bad story, right? Isn't this a pretty bad pretty story? Pretty woman bad yeah. story. Get uh, strapped in here because this is a tear jerker. Uh, the wedding was planned. A date was settled. Cake and flowers were purchased. And the venue was the venue was quite literally set since it was the 20th Century Fox's Soundstage 14. But the only crucial thing missing was a certain runaway bride who called the whole thing off just three days before the wedding. Julia Roberts said, can't do it three days before the wedding. Yeah. And of course, to Kiefer, he automatically translated three days to 24 plus 24 plus 24. <laughs> He became um, he became a lost boy at that moment. He became a lost boy after this one, yeah. Uh, the sudden ending shocked all of Hollywood <gasps> and watchers of Hollywood. Uh, people say that Sutherland remains a gentleman about his former lover, America's sweetheart, uh, stating in a re- in a recent interview that they were young and the moment got away from them, but he respects Julia for making this hard decision. I think it took a lot of courage, a lot of Dan and bravery, amongst all other stuff, to to be able to say I can't do this. So he respect. He said he respected her her decision. Hmm. Um, he's a southern gentleman. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure it still stung like a bee when only two years later. Julia R. decided to get married to that hillbilly country bumpkin Lyle Lovett. Yeah. That's right. I was going to ask when that was. <laughs> Only yeah. two years later. Crazy. Crazy. Damn. So she she's more of a Lovett guy than a Sutherland guy. Hey, we, we love it the 90s. <laughs> True. Anyway, I saw this one coming long before it happened, seeing as though the couple met on the set of a movie called Flatliners. <laughs> Not a promising title for your love life. Maybe your your love death, but your love life, nope, it's a goner. 
Speaking of flatliners, I give this couple's vital signs a 0.0 across the board. (laughs) (laughs) Nurse, record the date of... (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I'm doing like a David Spade thing. Yeah. (laughs) Nurse... Very inspired by Spade. I think it's when he joined SNL. He joined SNL this year, too. Nurse, record the date. Pretty sure. (laughs) Nurse, record the date of death as June 8th, 1991. And just like this year's split couple, I think it's time to call this segment quits. So, got a split. Bye-bye. So, that's the it and the the split. Another David Spade. Bye-bye. 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 You, you, you unintentionally did another David Spade <laughs> yeah. at the end. Bye-bye. Damn. Wow. I didn't realize how much, like, the whole pod, like, the, for the last couple of years, like, you've ripped off David Spade on the podcast. I guess I have. <laughs> Me doing my celebrity David gossip Spade stuff. Spade Cologne. <laughs> cologne Spade. Well... <laughs> Maybe when he when he dies, I can take his place on his Comedy Central spot. <laughs> that was great, Dave. Thank Very you. Good. So, uh, yeah, another couple gone, but it's all right. It's all in the past anyway. It's 1991, so we, have, <laughs> we had a lot of time to move on from it. All in the past, yeah. So why don't we <laughs> go to our next segment, which is. Food by Brandon. Dandin, Dandin. Food by Brandon. That's the segment. It's going to be a quickie. It's going to be a drive-through. Um, price. The price of bread. So, here's what we know. We know Game Gear was one forty-nine ninety-nine. We know that. <laughs> we also know that that Game Boys the previous year were $90, right? Is that what it was? Yeah, yes, $89.99. So what do you think the cost of white bread is, given all of that context? (laughs) Hmm. Uh, A loaf or or one slice? (laughs) One slice. A single (laughs) solo slice of white bread. Uh, No, a loaf of of bread. Is it $1.49? But like $1.49 instead of... $149? $149? I was going to say like a dollar twelve. Okay. 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 D- Dave said $149. Uh, Dan said $112. Uh, <laughs> the answer is $0.70. Cents. 70.5 cents wow. is the average price. Really? Yes. Every brand? Average. Uh, don't know. Average dog. It's just the average national dog. average, I guess. Uh, okay. Eggs were $1.10. And milk was two seventy six. So oh, all man. your... Um, you know, your storm essentials. Uh, those were the prices for 1991. And if, you, uh, if you're if you over there in that, you know, in the refrigerated aisle and you take a, take a stop over to the frozen section, we have a brand new entry into the line of frozen food selection. We talked about kid cuisine last time. Yeah. But 1991 sees the debut of Linda McCartney Foods. Um, a thing... <laughs> That I didn't know existed. Did you know this, Dave? It looks like you knew about this. No, I just know she's a big vegetarian, so I'm assuming it's vegetarian food. It is. It's vegetarian food. It's dehydrated, textured vegetable protein. Um, (laughs) 
Some products included golden nuggets, beefless burgers, plowman's pie, which I guess is like cheese. Um, yeah, so that launched in 1991. Very hip. Didn't know that was a thing. Linda McCartney Foods. Hmm. Didn't know that either. But maybe that was like a big, like, uh, precursor to the to vegetarian alternatives. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, and and it's weird. I guess yeah, to like have a celebrity. I mean, a Newman Zone was a thing, but obviously that's still a thing. Right. But uh, I guess I guess I didn't really think there were that many like celebrity things. But I mean, that was a big thing that she was an advocate for. So I guess she really wanted to get out there. But I think the most important thing that we need to talk about for 1991. Now, this is going to be a clip. Uh, and there will be some audio entertainment for our listeners, but uh, there is definitely a visual component to this that uh, definitely needs to be seen. So this is a Sizzler commercial. <laughs> it <laughs> oh, is like, wait a minute. four I've seen minutes this. long. I, I, I watched this in college. I've seen this before. This is insane. I've seen it's this. It's insane. Yeah. Okay. It's amazing. So I'm just gonna play. We're gonna. I'm just gonna play a little part of it oh here. My God, I haven't thought about this in so long. I'm, I'm excited. excited. Yeah. Full screen. <laughs> All across America, the song of freedom. <laughs> Lots of it is just people smiling. Every day. A little girl with a baseball bat. <laughs> A fisherman and a fisher daughter. Let us lift our voices. We can make the choices. <laughs> we'll make the most of all the best that freedom brings. Sizzler is the one who brings us choices. Reaching out across the USA. <laughs> My God, it's like a yeah, we are the world. This is insane. <laughs> Hot appetizers. It's, it's so Italian long. Bar. Shit. It's like 10 minutes. <laughs> Why would this be so long? More and more, both parents are So, yeah, we don't need to watch this whole thing here. Oh we can God. post the video, but it is Life so long. It really oh is like God. a we are the world and type thing. Too. Yeah, like, it's insane. It's um, it's kind of connecting the theme of freedom in America to the freedom of choices you have at at Sizzler. Yeah, yeah, like, like the, they have a a deep menu or something. Yeah, the buffet. Yeah, and it's, it's like buffet. you have like okay. yeah, you have all the different choices of the world. The Italian, you know, the Italian bar and the <laughs> <laughs> holy shit, it's a mixed pot. It's a mixed pot like America. <laughs> wow, I, I went to Sizzler with my family a few times. I've never been to a Sizzler. I don't. Yeah. I didn't know what it was. I thought it was an I, a food item at Chili's. There was... <laughs> <laughs> it's a buffet, but then there's all... You could also just order from the menu like you had both options. Okay. But you have the freedom. We went there for the buffet a handful of times. There was one in... Uh, this is a very local reference. There was one in Howell, New Jersey. Okay. Hmm. Back in the day. Um yeah, I would listen to that song every time we'd go. We'd play it in the car. 
just, I just don't understand why it's so long and like where what was the context? Yeah. Like where was this happening? I think it's like an like an employee training like type of no thing. No way. That's that's the vibe I get. Yeah, like how like do you train corporate, an employee? It's just a stupid it's corporate like propaganda. Intro. It's a corporate propaganda. Yes, yes. I think it's like, like instill the values of Sizzler. Like you're into sitting the employees. You're sitting in a room for job training. They start with this video. That's what I think it is. Okay. No, you're right. It says this was an internal video used for training purposes and investors. Bingo. Holy shit. Yeah. A Sizzler. <laughs> oh my god. It's getting people like <laughs> to have pride in their job at Sizzler. Yeah. <laughs> selling the idea yeah we wow. so yeah that's that's you know that was a big deal that's amazing yeah james showed this to us in college we all lost our shit yeah like it was, it was a thing we yeah watched it's a very popular a like when i times. came across it when i came across the video i saw like articles about like check out this hilarious video from 1991 you know <laughs> you know Viral you know, you video. did that voice, but it was hilarious, and it was from 1991. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to downplay it, man. It's it's really funny. It actually is very funny. Yeah, it was actually written phonetically out like that, though the article. So it's just <laughs> doing like a In proper uh, <laughs> proper dialect. I'm glad I saw that. I'm gonna watch the whole thing tonight. You should. It's 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 a good one. I watched the whole thing. Um, we should. So yeah, that's it. That's food. Let's post a video on the Dan and Brave account and say it's our own. <laughs> yeah, we'll get a lot of hits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, easy way to get some hits. We can right. cover it. We can do a cover, our own cover of that song somehow. <laughs> Sizzler. <laughs> Oh, is it my turn? Yeah, back to you. That's it? That was a yummy segment, Brandon. That's, That's it. it. That was a quick, I told you, quick bite. Brandon, what was, uh, what about the hot restaurants in 91? What was the average tip? What was the average, like, tip, like, back then? Uh, 2%? Yeah, 2%. Um, and it was like the biggest <laughs> Burger King ever, or the largest Burger King was built, I think, in Budapest. Uh, like a, a giant uh, McDonald's was built in China. A bunch of crap like that. I don't know. What about Fuddruckers? <laughs> <laughs> I I would love to go to a, be able to go to a Fuddruckers again. I used to not like it, like when I was a little kid. But I always remember you would get the yellow token, and you can trade it in for a cookie. Do you remember that? Oh, okay. I went like once or twice. I like barely remember. Is, uh, I never oh, I liked it. I got because, sick. Like, I got sick one time from Fuddruckers. I remember that. Okay. Yeah. I didn't like it. I didn't like going as a kid because like I didn't really eat like cheeseburgers. I guess because they were too big or something. Right. I don't know. It's a big burger and, place. Yeah. Yeah. And so then when I grow up and hear that they're supposed to have the best burgers, I was like, I want to try it, and it was gone. The one another local oh, reference, gone? the one in Tom's River. Yeah, yeah it, was it, like one changed, times over. it changed like eight times to like different restaurants. So is the name supposed to be naughty? Like what's going on with the name? <laughs> yeah, it's fuck ruckers, definitely. It is a chain, right? I'm not crazy. It's Yeah, no, it's a chain. It's a global? Yeah. I don't know. I'll look fuck it up. Right now. <laughs> when was the biggest fud ruckers built in uh <laughs> in, in Mongolia or something? <laughs> oh, you know what? 
Oh, I just, I forgot. I did read that it did get destroyed in the Bangladesh cyclone. The only FUD reference in Bangladesh. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh. Okay. Dandin, dandin. Um, Don't change the Daniel because it's Dan's TV uh, segment. Ooh. I'm actually, Dan, I'm going to turn up the volume. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Using my... All right remote i'm your tv guide for 1991 <sighs> okay um i've got too much stuff again uh <laughs> all right cut it so i'll quit yeah just cut it all all right i'll quickly mention this because there's no fun way to talk about this so probably the biggest tv moment of 1991 is the bombing of Baghdad for the Gulf War. Oh man! <laughs> on CNN, that's like so. More depressing news from uh, from da- from your favorite presenter Danny here. Um, <laughs> January 17th was like the big. It, it was big for CNN. Like it was the first war to get basically the Super Bowl treatment. Like on-site color commentary, state-of-the-art graphics, even instant replay of so-called smart bombs hitting targets. Oh my like, god. Yeah, like this is what CNN was doing, 24-hour news. It was This was like huge for them. Um, in the booth, which is in this case was Baghdad's Al-Rashid Hotel, where Bernard Shaw, John Holloman, and Peter Arnett, the CNN correspondents who single-handedly legitimized the all-news outlet with their alarming play-by-play. So like that was a big part of 1991. They're treating it like sports. How we, You know how we treat music <laughs> like sports yeah. and uh, the board bills? They're treating yeah. war like sports. Uh, on C- yeah. CNN. Yeah, it's all fun. It's so fun. Yeah. Uh, and then also in 1991, um, one of the biggest things to happen on TV, unfortunately also very frustratingly, but more relevant than ever, was the video of uh, Rodney King being beaten by police. Oh, yeah. yeah that was uh, that Jesus, was also 1991. Yeah. Uh, the riots, I think, didn't happen like till 92 because that's when the verdict came out and they right. were all... Yeah, so... Um, but yeah, that was a big thing in 1991. Uh, it was first on local TV, then on nationwide news networks. Um, so to shift gears a bit, um, <laughs> I've been looking at an Entertainment Weekly list of the best shows of each year, according to Entertainment Weekly. They say it was Roseanne in 91. I don't want to talk about that because she also sucks currently. Uh, <laughs> uh, right. I forgot about that. I'd rather not celebrate Roseanne, to be honest. <laughs> um, but it, I, I will time, say, yeah, her the theme song smoked. It was like a great blues jammer. <laughs> I used to like pick up my guitar and jam along with the uh, <laughs> with the theme song when it came on uh, uh, Nick at Night. <laughs> yeah, oh uh, yeah, great blues. Yeah, theme song. <laughs> um, yeah, you know. When I think about like an old white trash couple family in the 90s, I think of blues music. Okay, so uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Nickelodeon introduces its series of Nicktoons in 91, so that's fun. All the mm. shows that we... Uh, this is more us now. Uh, Doug, yeah. Rugrats, and the Ren and Stimpy show were the first three to air. So very fun, 1991. And... Um, I said I was going to talk... I wanted to talk about it before we started doing Dan and Bravos. I forgot to prepare a segment last time, but I have some stuff about sketch comedy in 1991 on TV. And the 16th and 17th seasons of Saturday Night Live 
air in 1991 because, you know, they take a break in the summer and they come back in the fall. So it was the second half of the 16th season and the beginning of the 17th season. Uh, Tim mm-hmm. Meadows and Adam Sandler join this year during the 16th season. And right on. the 17th, Ellen Cleghorn, Melanie Hutzel, and Be- Beth Cahill all join during the 17th season. This was the probably the biggest... I guess bit of news having to do with Saturday Night Live this year. So on April twentieth, four twenty, uh, my wedding, also my wedding anniversary. More importantly, <laughs> my wedding anniversary. Uh, an episode guest host hosted by actor Steven Seagal immediately, oh, uh, yeah, yes. immediately becomes infamous due to Seagal being difficult and uncooperative to work with among the cast and crew. Um, I didn't know this actually. Um, I love uh, that. I was reading about it. Seagal is soon banned from ever appearing on the series again. And is branded by SNL creator, producer Lord Michaels as the worst host ever. Um, I have a Steven Seagal s- sketch that I found if you want to watch a couple of seconds yeah, of it. Yeah, put it on. It's really bad. It's not funny at all. It's like it's like kind of uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> he wanted to do great drama on uh, live TV. So this sketch is with Chris Farley and Rob Schneider and Steven Seagal. So this sketch is Chris Farley is there to pick up Steven Seagal's daughter to take her out for a date. And Rob Schneider is Steven Seagal's like son. Uh, Rob Schneider, by the way, also a piece of shit currently in real life. He's horrible. He's like a big time conservative. <laughs> Why don't you uh, go out and look, uh, look at it? I'm sure Dougie won't mind. Just don't touch it, man. Oh, whoa, cool. Cool car. <laughs> It's so awkward. <laughs> so what uh, are you planning to do this evening with my daughter? We're going to party. Hope you don't mind. Well, uh, I guess it wouldn't matter if I did because uh, I wouldn't be there at the time. I'd be here waiting. Yes. Yes, sir. What are you, what are you reading? This is called Silent Killers. <laughs> Is any good? Oh my god. It's very informative. <laughs> Here's your soda, Doug. <laughs> hey, honey, how about some coffee? I've got some decaf back there. You want some? Herbal tea, honey. Herbal tea. I'll go get it. <laughs> I forget her name. She's funny, too. All right, I checked out the car. The left rear tire is a little worn. It's got a spare, and the jack. Works. I mean, the oil's okay. The pan is scuffed, but not leaking. The tie rods need new. All right, only ten more minutes. <laughs> oh yeah, Seagal just showed him this insane like eagle tattoo on his chest. All right, so. All right, it's it's, uh, it's, it's uncomfortable. It, yeah, yeah, it's just like not. <laughs> it's I watched the whole thing and it was it was brutal. Yeah, just well, also <laughs> apparently like one of the he like pitched an idea for a sketch about and this is awful like a rape victim going to a psychiatrist and then the psychiatrist like tries to rape her and he thought that was funny oh my and god was like his idea oh my that was like what he came into the room with jeez see i didn't wow did not know that yeah so it's great energy. Um, so that's yeah it's 1991 television uh <laughs> Oh, the other thing I wanted to mention also is also in 1991, Dave's favorite celebrity, MC Hammer, hosts and his musical guest in an episode of SNL in December. <laughs> Good for him. He's he's host and musical guest. I'm sure he's better than Steven Seagal. 
Yeah, he does Adam's Groove, and he gets introduced by Christina Ricci, like on the show, like <laughs> to do the Adam's Family thing. Um, also, I wanted to mention this. There's a sketch from 1991 for the um, the other the other really popular sketch comedy show at the time in Living Color, and mm. there's a sketch from this episode with Jonathan Taylor Thomas. He's like a very young Jonathan Taylor Thomas, and Tommy Davidson, who's you know one of the one of the cast members. Tommy Davidson is playing Michael Jackson and the sketch is called Home Alone Again with Michael Jackson. Oh, man. It's so offensive and brutal, especially now, but it's yeah, it's just making jokes that Michael Jackson is like a creepy pedophile. In 91. On, uh, in 91, oh. yeah. Jonathan Taylor Thomas plays Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> oh, my God. That's crazy. JTT? Yeah. How did I get... Um JTT on board for this one. Is he already like famous at this time or no? I don't know. Maybe he's just like a kid actor that they got to do this at the time. I, I'm not sure. Wait, it is kind of, it is kind of weird. I I've been kind of thinking this whole time. Like I never watched Roseanne. Uh, it's weird to think that John Goodman like before like TV was a you know it's it's more of a recent thing that it's like movie stars going to TV. I never really thought about that. That like in like the middle of his career. He did like a very long run on Roseanne, but I guess he wasn't a big movie star at that point. Yeah, he'd only done like a couple. Was it Raising Arizona. Raising Arizona, a couple other like Revenge of the Nerds. I don't know. I don't how... think he was a breakout movie guy until like while he was on Roseanne. Right. Yeah, and he yeah he still did stuff like during it. But, yeah, he was uh, on it for it, a just, long time. I never like think about that because I I never watched it, and so I, I always go, oh yeah, John Goodman, Roseanne. Yeah, I guess I should associate his fame with Roseanne, but I didn't watch the show. Uh, you know, so it's yeah, like right. Yeah. Um, that was his breakout performance. Was Roseanne? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I liked the show actually. I mean, when I would watch it on Nick at Night, I was into it. Good characters. They remind me of my friends from Jackson, New Jersey. The family. <laughs> yeah, just sitting around listening to blues. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Dandin, dandin. My next segment is, of course, Art 1991. And folks, this is a Dandin Bravo art section first. As listeners already know, I always ask you uh, to put on your Dan and Bravo official berets for this part of the show. And notably, for last year's art section in 1990, I asked you to put both your berets and your badges on because we were covering an art crime. Well, for the first time... Right. The, the first time in Dan and Bravo art section history... The first time. <laughs> I'm going to have to ask you to keep your berets... And your badge is on both because we were covering another art crime this year in, in 1991. <laughs> Two years in a so row. So for the first time in history, you're asking us to keep it on. Yeah. Don't take it off yet. Keep it on. I know it's been on you since three weeks ago when I asked you to put it on. Don't take it off yet yeah. because we're covering another art crime. Can you believe that? No. These bandits, when will they... When will they... Uh, Lay, lay off <laughs> because um, on 14 April 1991 in the Netherlands 
thieves steal 20 paintings worth 500 million big ones. Whoa. Whoa. From the Van Gogh Museum in Amsterdam. Oh, shit. Uh, but luckily, however, unlike last year, in which uh, the art that was stolen was never recovered, only less than an hour later, after the, th- the burglary, the pieces were found. <laughs> wow. In an abandoned car near the museum. So $500 basically missing, 20 paintings worth $500 million, all recovered less than an hour later. So Just in an abandoned car? <laughs> yeah. What? They had some, like, I guess, remorse. They're like, oh, we probably can't sell this. They just wanted to say they did it. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe it was just the thrill of, of stealing something. Like Dan. Yeah, like Dan like you talked with about the, it, yeah. uh, <laughs> With the food from his college. I get that. Yeah. I get that. I get, I get that. that. Or maybe they needed to steal something more personal, and that was the cover to distract. You know, they, re- they needed to get something that had less monetary value. And, you know, oh. like somebody worked at the museum and they needed to steal, like, a phone number or an address and that d- distracted away. Wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> All that for an address. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got to find out an address. I need to know, like, you know, I, I want this person to come to my party next year. Like, got <laughs> to put this address in my address book. They probably just got lazy, went to Fuddruckers, and left it in the car. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah like... Oh, yeah, Fuddruckers, Netherlands? Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the biggest Fuddruckers in the world. Yeah. They just left it in the car. Yeah. Or, you know, I think true thieves do it for the art form. Funny enough. <laughs> so, like, it, maybe, yeah, it was just, just to do it. Just to get... Or just to get, keep um that muscle, like... Yeah, uh, exercised. You know, gotta keep. Yeah, gotta keep your your limbs loose. Your your thieving limbs loose. Definitely. So that was the art lost of the year. Okay. But this time around, we're also gonna do the art found. It was kind of like the art lost and the art found since they found the paintings. True. But um, this part of the segment is called art found because it's art pieces that were found like made in this year (laughs) and you remember how last year in my politics segment i discussed the gang of seven yes dan you said you really loved that segment yep (laughs) um the seven republican congressmen who really shook up washington (laughs) well this next art part is kind of like the art world's answer to the gang of seven because these are seven notable works worth saving it's the seven worth saving so if they were ever burglarized they would be worth saving because they're very important pieces of art so are you ready for the seven the gang of seven of the art world hell yeah let's hear them piece number one set of the seven worth saving um <laughs> it'd be a great idea to check out this first piece on a rainy day because it's it's called the umbrellas and it's by Cristo and Jean Claude. It consists of 3,100 erected yellow and blue umbrella structures in California and Japan, respectively. And fun fact, Cristo um, Claude, who who did this piece, along with Jean, um, 
closed the exhibition early after a woman was crushed by a windswept umbrella in California. Oh my God! And then, and then separately, equally as fun of a fact, a worker was killed during the deconstruction of the Japanese exhibit. <laughs> How perfect! <laughs> <laughs> my God! So <laughs> that's more of a Danny, a Danny segment <laughs> fact, but Danny, Danny Darko. <laughs> So that's the umbrellas, big piece. I mean, do you like this piece, the way it looks by the visual? It's kind of cool. Just a bunch of umbrellas, like, in a field. It's just a photograph? What? <laughs> Is it just a photograph? No, it's, like, actually... <laughs> it's an installation. It's what they call it. A yeah, sculptural like a, installation. A, a living installation. <laughs> Wait. Oh, okay. I see. The picture, the picture of this is not the art piece. No. <laughs> no. It's a picture of the insulation, which is like okay. thousands of umbrellas in a field. Okay. Yeah. In California and in Japan. I like this a lot. Yeah, this is cool. Yeah. Okay. It's okay. practical as well, which most, most art isn't. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, so here's a second of the seven. I love reading this uh, next title. It's called The Physical Impossibility of Death in the Mind of Someone Living. And it's by British artist Damien Hirst. Yes. Yeah, oh, so it's, cool. it, it consists of a tiger shark preserved in formaldehyde in a vitrine. Uh-huh. And this is called The Physical Impossibility of Death in the Mind of Someone Living. They got a, this is a real shark that they got for this? Yeah, it's a real dead shark. Or I guess it could be alive, I don't know. I'm assuming it's dead. <laughs> well, you said formaldehyde. I don't know. <laughs> Formaldehyde. That's dead. Okay. That's dead. That's dead. That's like, uh, that, that means that's how you keep dead bodies preserved, I think, right? I think. I don't know. Right. <laughs> it's a pretty cool piece. Uh, and and funny enough, despite the word tiger coming first in its, in its name, the tiger shark is more of, it's more like a shark than a tiger. <laughs> so, oh, it's not equal tiger shark. It's more of a shark than a tiger, despite the name. Mm-hmm. I thought it was, I thought based on the picture that it was going to be like a bisected shark that you were going to be, you know, like see the insides, but it, so it's just a fully preserved tiger shark, right? Yes. Based on my information, it looks yes. cool. Yeah, I like that. It does look cool. Okay, so this third of the seven, this one's pretty relevant even today because it's called Capitalism, okay? Okay. And it's by Larry Kirkland. Check this one out. Whoa. Uh, It's an outdoor marble and concrete sculpture, and the sculpture depicts 50 coins stacked on an ionic column, and it is set in the center of a circular fountain basin with four water jets. Aha. Check this one out. Half of the coins have serious or humorous inscriptions on their edges relating to capitalism and commerce. Dan, you're kind of a coin guy. (laughs) You probably like this one. For our show, I am the coin guy. (laughs) <laughs> and Sonic, and I talked about Sonic before. He collects coins. Yeah. Dude, don't you get it? Because it's like, you know, fundamentally our society is built on money. That's why. Oh, it looks like a building. It's a structure that's just yeah. built literally out of coins. Yeah, Sonic yeah. is a capitalist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's actually that's true. It's, he's just trying to get make coin. Collect coin, that's it. That's why his like idle animation is him tapping his foot because he's impatient because he's not running around collecting coins. Exactly. He, yeah, he knows time is money. I was uh, I was born to the shark. Okay. 
I like this one. This is my this is my favorite one so far. I, I get it. I get it. Yeah. I get it. But I like the shark. I will say that uh, some critics disparage the merit of this piece by calling it lower caseism instead of capital capitalism. <laughs> it also reminds me of Pogs. Yeah, it do look like Pogs. Yeah, it looks like stone Pogs. Very 90s as well. Yep. This was in Portland, Oregon, by the way. What do you guys like better, Pogs or the porn category Pogs? <laughs> I don't know what is the what is the porn category? Describe uh, it. It stands for uh, fat ass white girls with a P. Oh. Pogs. So Pogs or Pogs? Which one do you like better? Well, <laughs> you know, I, I'd rather not get into that. All right. Pretty boy, Davy. I forgot. Okay, so <laughs> we're <laughs> we're blazing through the the Gang of Seven art world. So. Here's number four. Dan, I know you like those Guardians of the Galaxies movies. So uh, you just might like this next one because it's called The Guardians of the Gate. <laughs> Are they seals? <laughs> yeah, it's um it's a br- it's a it's a bronze sculpture that's in San Francisco by Miles Metzger and it's depicting a family of sea lions. Oh, sea lions. Okay. Kind of cute. Cuter one, the cutest one yet, I'd say. It looks like they're sharing a little intimate moment. Yeah. I think I think the shark would fuck them up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although they're bronze, so True. if he bit in, he'd probably broke break a tooth yeah. or True. something. True. True. Okay, so we got 5 now. It's uh Hey guys, if this was today, maybe this piece would be called Selfie, but since it's from 1991, it's just called Self. (laughs) (laughs) And um, it's a sculptured self-portrait head in artist's blood. Oh my God. uh, By the artist Mark Quinn. Okay, this is my favorite one. It's kind of cool, actually. I I, I like this one, yeah. So wait, I'm sorry. Did you say what it is made out of? Uh, it's a sculpture, but it's it's a self-portrait formed by a frozen cast of ten pints of the artist's artist's blood. Mark wow. Quinn's blood. That's insane. Ten pints of blood make. That's insane. Yeah. It's like, and it's an ongoing work where the artist portrays himself every five years with a new cast of uh, new blood. Whoa. Wow. So I think this is the original one. That's, That's hardcore. hardcore. Um, this is like Hellraiser. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> reminds me of Hellraiser. Uh, God, that's... Man. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> I wish the listeners could see this. Yeah. <laughs> it, who does he look like? Does he look like anybody like famous? Like, Actually, yeah. It kind of looks like, looks like Walt Disney. I think it's <laughs> Walt Disney. <laughs> it does? I don't... <laughs> I was thinking it kind of looks like um, like Ed Harris or something. That's Ed Harris. Is, Ed Harris is pretty good. Yeah, I, I could see that. Dan, have you ever made anything good out of your own blood? Um, I made some good blood sausage. <laughs> Brandon, uh, some good pacts. Some good pacts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so this last two, the first being. Uh, this is kind of cool. So you know how D, <laughs> so you, you know how DVPS5, our robot colleague, 
could be referred to as uh, presenter digital. Yes, I do. However, I do feel that characterization to be quite limiting. Mm -hmm. You know how that that's a thing? Yes. Sure, yeah. Well, this next piece is entitled Host Analog. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's a sculpture in Portland, Oregon by Buster Simpson. Simpsons were huge in the, in the 90s. Say that's my favorite <laughs> character, favorite family member. Buster's Simpsons living art installation, Host Analog, consists of a large 1,000-year-old Douglas fir log um, placed outside the Oregon Convention Center to nurse seedlings from the state's old growth force. Pretty badass. It's a living <laughs> art installation. We thought the last one was pretty alive with the blood, but uh, this one has a whole different meaning to the word life. I think this one is misassociated to the wrong artist. I think the actual creator of this one is God. Wow. Oh, true. I was going to say uh, it was an artist called Doug Fur. <laughs> the name of the tree. <laughs> no, it's not funny. God made God. God did this. God definitely did a yeah. lot. This one sucks. <laughs> it's just it's three pieces of a tree. This one sucks. <laughs> well, you know, there's always some weak members of the gang. So, uh, <laughs> who's the, who's the weak member of the Republican gang? <laughs> I forget. It wasn't definitely wasn't Boehner. He was pretty popping. <laughs> I forget. I forget half their names now. I yeah. I only remember Santorum. Frank Riggs, maybe. <laughs> 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 this is kind of like the Frank Riggs of uh, the art world's Gang of Seven. Um, speaking of Gang of Seven, here's number seven. <laughs> See, I really think this next one could be a kick-ass title for a buddy cock Buddy cock. <laughs> I meant to say buddy cop, but it could be a cool name for a buddy cock film as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, true. Actually, it really works for both because it's called Cascade Charlie. It's a, a fountain in Eugene, Oregon by Alice Wingwall installed in Cascade, Cascade Courtyard. On the University of Oregon. Now, is the are the broken are the like broken pieces of stone part of it? Don't know, <laughs> and I possibly don't care either. <laughs> I feel like water is supposed to be flowing through this thing, right? Probably. Yeah, I, it says fountain, but it's pretty dry looking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is this is the second picture where like there's supposed to be water a part of it that you did you got like the dry <laughs> you got the dry picks. Like the, the capitalism <laughs> one was supposed to be in a fountain with water flowing. You got the dry picture of that one too. Damn. So these are closed because of COVID. Those are the pictures you got. Maybe <laughs> yeah, maybe these are very recent picks. <laughs> they had to shut down the water. Who knows? But uh Yeah, Watergate. It is one of the most essential pieces <laughs> of of Oregon art history. Of American art history, of Dan and Bravo art history for sure, um, and I think you got to respect the Charlie. Either way, listeners definitely go to the Instagram to see the pictures of these. Oh it's the yeah, it's the only way. I might have to do a just a solo art I Insta post since there's so many great pieces. This, or we this can make year. we can make this the uh, the YouTube clip. We'll just post the pictures and then us talking <laughs> over it. That's true. Okay. Show segment. <laughs> well, guys, a lot to look forward to on the in the visual world. <laughs> uh, but now it's time to depart from art. 
Until next time, peace. Peace of art. Peace. Peace of art, yeah. Okie dokie. So the, n- <laughs> <laughs> the next thing we got to cover, this is pretty big, is um, Brandon's musical and movie segment. Dandin, dandin. Lights, camera, action. Yeah. So we're going to start off with the musical, the stage. We're going to get on stage. And um, kind of like Dan, we're going to talk about a little bit of controversial topics. So real quick, I just want to talk about, you know, one thing uh, I mentioned is we're going to replace any known canceled person who won a big award uh, with a with a more deserving with a more deserving performance. So at the Tony Awards, a man uh, who starred in a movie called K-Pax won best performance by a featured actor in a play. Okay, for the play Lost in Yonkers. So we are stripping him of his title. He loses that award. Sorry. Actually, not sorry at all. So <laughs> Who's the it other, going to? The other nominees are Adam Arkin for I Hate Hamlet. <laughs> Same here. I know him from a very special episode of The West Wing where he, where he plays a uh, psychiatrist for Bradley Whitford. Uh... Dylan Baker for La, La Bête. Uh, he's in the Spider-Man movies as a professor. And yes. uh, Stephen Lang for The Speed of Darkness. More recently known for him being a buff guy in Avatar. But um, oh, yeah. my yeah. favorite role of his is in Manhunter <laughs> as Freddy in the Hannibal. Um, so for his performance in Hannibal... Or in, in Manhunter, it goes to Stephen Lang um, for a featured actor in a play. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, so well, des- well deserved. Stephen Lang now gets the award for featured actor in a play. Also from the same play, just wanted to point out Mercedes Rule, Dave, you know, from uh, Married to the Mob, uh, won best performance <laughs> yeah. by a leading actress uh, in the same play. And we're not stripping her title away, right? No, we're actually giving her an extra one. Uh, because she's really funny and married to the mob. <laughs> um, uh, she went up against Stacker, Stacker Channing from Greece. Love her too. Yeah, and Cherry Jones, another very, very. She pops up like in everything. Yeah, uh, pretty good category, pretty good play. It seems like Cherry Jones pops up in a lot of things. Brandon. Oh, oh yeah. my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um, and this guy, this guy wanted to cancel Spacey. Uh. <laughs> um, and then in the in the musical category. Uh, <laughs> This is the debut of Miss Saigon, which I've frequently said is like my favorite musical. Uh, it's the same people that wrote Les Mis. It's better than Les Mis, the music. Um, but I was doing quite a bit of reading about the history of the show. You know, a love story between about Dan Bravo? American. What? Sorry, the history of the. <laughs> The history of the show of Dan and Bravo. <laughs> you yes. were doing a lot of research on that. I was reading. I was reading our own Wikipedia page for entry for Dan and Bravo. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, Miss Saigon is. It's about a an American soldier who falls in love with a a Vietnamese woman, or pretty young girl who is basically 
recruited to be a a dancer, a sex worker. And there's like a character called the engineer who runs the club, the the, the club who does the Miss Saigon pageant. And the engineer, the role was originated on Broadway by Jonathan Price, who, you know, from the two popes. Yeah. Uh, Dan, you would know him as the high priest in Game of Thrones. Oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, okay. He's a great actor and, like, a pretty revered performance. Uh, he did win Best Actor uh, for Miss Saigon. Uh, but the problem is, is that it's an Asian character. And uh, he, you know, was in Yellowface. Uh, by the time it oh, by the time it was on Broadway and like performed at the Tonys, he didn't wear the yellow face, and like they even like changed the makeup to make his eyes, you know, they did all the shit. But by the time it got to the Tony Awards, they took that away. And it's so growing up for me, my exposure to Miss Saigon, I always thought it was just like a your like a European character who was just living in Saigon during the time, and. Uh, you know, worked at the club, but, but so it was like, I read about the history of like that and how they, you know, ever since then they've always, you know, portrayed it by Asian American actors, but it's tough because all the people they interviewed, it was like 25 Asian American, uh, and Asian theater performers talking about it. And, you know, no one, you know, puts, you know, it's not like a fuck you, Jonathan Price situation because, but it's so it's it was an interesting history yeah. of of the story so you know recontextualizes Miss Saigon for me but I did want to share because we have mentioned Leia Salonga before um she was the the vo- the singing voice of Jasmine in uh right ah. okay in in Aladdin and- now I just wanted to play a little clip this is apparently from her actual audition this is in from like a little documentary I think she was 17 when she got the role. Um, wow. And in the beginning of this video, this is the composer, uh, Schoenberg, showing her the melody, and she's like kind of learning the song as she's going and like really picking up on it. And I'm just going to play the end of it when she like kind of has... I mean, she like fully gets it right away. Um, just want to play a little bit of this. Really, like strong alto. Yeah. She's in the original cast, Brandon. Yes. Yeah. It's a really, really Gritty. great voice, and there's, it's, yeah, uh, there, there are a couple like really, really powerful numbers that her character sings in the show, and she just, she's awesome, and I know that she's a really, really important figure in the Asian community. You know, where we went to high school, there was, a, you know, a pretty big uh, Filipino community, and they all like really loved her, and were like big fans of her. I know, I know that she's very important. Uh, and I love Miss Saigon, so I wanted to highlight her. So that's the theater department. Bravo. <laughs> now we're going to go to the, <laughs> the, f- the film bravo. department. Bravo. 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 Brazier. <laughs> 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 All 
and yeah, so real quick, you know, we're not going to spend too much time on the movie section right now, but do either of you know what the biggest box office hit of 1991 is? It's not the same biggest? as last year, right? It is not Ghost. Ghost did not hang over and continue to haunt theater goers. <laughs> Ninety-one. Uh, Ninety-one. Uh, Beauty, Beauty and the Beauty and the Beast. Oh, that's a good idea, Dan. That's a good that idea. That is number three. That is number three. Oh, I got the year right. Cool. Yes, and that is the first animated. This is the first animated feature to be nominated for Best Picture. Can you give us a hint? It is a sequel. Uh, oh, 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 yes, yes, of course, of course. It's um, <laughs> it's T two. No, T two. Ah, cool. Terminator. Yes, Terminator two. Judgment Day coming in at five hundred and nineteen million dollars. Okay. Um, the number two movie. I've seen it. I've seen it. <laughs> the number two movie uh, is a is based on folklore. Uh, they make one of these type of movies kind of every seven years because it's oh. in public domain. I know what this one is. I, it <laughs> kind of goes into what I was talking about in my art section. It involves a thief. Yes, yes. I'm just doing a second clue for Dad. <laughs> it involves a thief <laughs> in the woods. Uh, yes. Robin Hood. Dan, of course. Robin Hood. Oh, the uh, cast nerds. Prince Boy of Thieves. Yes. Um, and Alan Rickman. That one stole my heart. Yes. Her Alan Rickman. And Christian and Christian Slater. <laughs> hey, da- hey, I'm he's like, Jack he's like Jr. Brother. <laughs> <laughs> Jackie Jr. <laughs> Isn't that what Nobody the- <laughs> pretending to do accents except for Rickman wait, in that. Wait, wait. Is it... JFK Jr. Did they call him Jackie? Jackie Jr. Isn't that? Or they call him John John? Actually. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah, John yeah. John John. Um, yeah. Erlen Rickford. Hello. I'm the Prince of Nottingham. The Sheriff of Nottingham. I'm very naughty. Who was? Who was? Not very naughty. Who was? Um. Damn. What's his name? Fat Joe. Now I'm. What's the character's name? <laughs> That's so Big, good. Oh, little, oh, sorry, Little John. <laughs> oh, and Little John. Is yeah. that him? Oh my God. <laughs> Who played Little John? Show. Calling Little John Fat Joe. <laughs> <laughs> little, I knew it was some rapper. Little uh, Little John uh, featuring Ashanti. <laughs> so we have Terminator Two. We have Robin Hood. We have Beauty and the Beast. The next one is a movie that I've said is the worst movie by this. Very big director. Worst oh. movie? Schindler's List. <laughs> uh, Weirdly close, Dan. Weirdly close. Uh, oh, it's Hook. It's Hook. No? It's Hook. Oh, it was Spielberg. Okay. <laughs> yes. Spielberg. That's the worst Spielberg, you think? Uh, I love Hook. God damn it. Is it worse than 1941? Is, it, is that what it's called? 1942? I, I, I recently watched that. Um, and liked it better than Hook. Oh, really? Okay. Nineteen forty-one. Yeah. I don't know if that's okay, true. Hook the worst five. movie. I don't know. We'll see. Well, I got a couple left to close out Spielberg. So far, still least favorite. Uh, number five is 
War of the Worlds is a movie is, that is went bad. on. I don't think War of the Worlds is good. Sorry. Uh, first, like first two thirds of the movie are great. All right, continue. Sorry. Um, number five is a movie that went on to win five of the biggest categories at the Oscars. I know this one too. I'll let Dan guess. Dan um, in '91. This, I don't know. Unforgiven. For this one, you might want to be quiet. Oh, uh, all right. Okay. You might want to hush your voice. Good <laughs> 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 silence of the lambs. Yes, it won best picture, best adapted screenplay, best director, best actor, and best actress. Man. And then rounding out the top ten, we got more Costner with JF, JFK. Got the Adams Family, Cape Fear, Hot Shots, yes. and City Slickers. Nice, all some right. good stuff in there. Our, uh, our old friend Billy. And then, <laughs> very last thing, the to- the Tony Scott minute, Tony Scott highlight, <laughs> Tony Scott uh, minute. You know, we talked about last year. Yeah, the Tony Scott minute. <laughs> Last year he had two movies. You know he had Revenge and he had Days of Thunder. Mm-hmm. This year, 1991 is The Last Boy Scout. Uh, it is a it's a buddy cock movie um, <laughs> with Bruce Willis and Damon Wayans as the two buddy cocks. Mm-hmm. Um, it's <laughs> the opening scene is a football player. It the, it's pouring rain. This is the opening scene. Um, He's like induced with drugs and goes on a uh, like he brings it. He has a gun as he's running the football and just starts shooting players on the field. My God, uh, it's Yikes. very it's a very wild scene. Why do you do that? Uh, well, you gotta watch you gotta watch the movie to find out. Okay. And uh, Shane Black, you know we've Dan, you know Kiss Kiss Bang Bang Predator Predator yeah. He, uh, he wrote like the original he wrote the screenplay so this is like okay. big Shane Black Tony Scott team up got it uh, it's it's a wild movie it's not one of the not one of the best Tony Scott's but it's really really fun um, it's insane so that's the Tony Scott minute that was a Tony Scott uh, minute but what about the uh, Ridley Scott riddle <laughs> you got that the Ridley Scott riddle damn <laughs> I gotta have to look for that why is one a minute and one's a riddle <laughs> Well, because like it sounds like Ridley. What? I understand, but like one's a unit of time, and one is just saying the word riddle. <laughs> oh well, okay. Actually, here, here, here's the Ridley Scott riddle. I haven't put together my top ten. I haven't put together my list for ninety-one yet, so I don't know what my number one movie of the year is. But this one is definitely in contention. Uh, this is not a riddle at all. It's just a question. <laughs> but <laughs> what is the Ridley Scott movie that came out in 1991? Oh, I know it that is. That is a movie I love. Yeah. I thought it'd be in the top 10 maybe because it's pretty big. It's, uh, Dan, I'll give you a clue. Shut up. <laughs> <sighs> Brandon gives the riddle. I give the clue and you give the answer. Okay. <laughs> Here's a clue. It's, um, Okay. Well, it's not a really. A cl- I'll give you like a little bit, like a hint, like a hint. It's like two <laughs> ladies. Um, they love driving. Oh, um, oh, oh! They put yeah. a lot of. They put. They love putting miles on their car. I saw this movie in an outdoor yeah. theater on a rooftop in New York. Um, 
a year or two, maybe two years ago. Okay. Uh, so that's my clue to both you guys about it. Can you guys guess? Did you? Okay. Did you and Leslie? Did do you? Were, were you with Leslie? Yes. When you watched it or not? My other wife. Did you and Leslie hold hands and then jump off the side of the roof at the end of the movie? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was. We got pretty hurt because Harvey Keitel. Uh, yeah. Was, uh, yeah. Brad Pitt. Was, intimidating. Brad Pitt you. was there. Yeah, it's Thelma and Louise. Yes, of course it is. Thelma and Louise. Uh, yeah, it's good movie. A lot. Very, very good. Good movie. Great soundtrack. Sarandon Brave. Is it? Is it Hans Zimmer? It might be Hans Zimmer. But (laughs) there's a lot of great guitar. guitar Dave, wait, Dave. Can we do a show called Sarandon Brave? Oh, that'd be great. There's so many (laughs) actors we could do that for. Sarandon, Dancing Brave, (laughs) Uh, Sarandon Brave. Yeah. It is. It is Hans Zimmer. Love it. Okay, Hans Zimmer. <laughs> yeah, that was the. Uh, yeah, so that is the um, the musical movie. That was our Ridley segment. Scott Riddle. <laughs> <laughs> Will you solve next year's? We'll see. What's our next segment, Daniel? Oh man, coming up on three hours here. Um, <laughs> Danden, Danden. This is uh, sports coming at you. Sports with, um, as Dave coined, Jacques Itch. <laughs> it's me, Jacques, Jacques Itch. <laughs> this is the DUPSN, uh, that's it, segment. Not FM, just DUPSN. Dan and Brave present Sports Network segment. All right, so for 1991, some big sports stuff. Um, again, got a lot of clips that won't get used because uh, of the internet, but... In 1991, the New York Giants won Super Bowl 25. They uh, beat the Buffalo Bills. Uh, the Buffalo Bills missed a 47-yard field goal at the end where they would have won, but they missed it, so they lost. This Super Bowl is also the infamous Whitney Houston Star Spangled Banner performance. Hello. Amazing. Hello. Yeah. The halftime show is New Kids on the Block. Amazing. Um, <laughs> I think it got interrupted by Gulf War News. I'm pretty sure. Dan, the Buffalo Bills played that uh, Super Bowl, right? Yeah. And they lost? Yes. You know, I was thinking, I think the Board Bills of 91 could take on the Buffalo Bills and win. Yeah, you're right. Because they always (laughs) choke. So I'm saying we should face the Buffalo Bills, Bill versus Bill. Yeah. Uh, We'll do a sports for music tournament, and I think we'll beat them. (laughs) Um. A big year for Buffalo Bills. That's isn't that the guy's name in Sounds of the Lambs too? Oh yeah, <laughs> Buffalo Bills is huge in '91. Yeah, yeah. So there is a Super Bowl commercial, but I'm not going to play it just because you guys aren't well, are not gonna be, obviously not going to be able to really see it anyway if I play it. But okay, it's um, describe it. Probably the biggest one is this Pepsi. It's a Pepsi commercial. Ray Charles is at the piano, and it's like this whole theme song for uh, for Diet Pepsi. Um, it's like, uh-huh, uh-huh, <laughs> you got the right one, baby. Um, if you remember, if you've seen Rookie of the Year, they kind of reference it because he tries to do like a Pepsi commercial where he sings like the same song. This is like a big Pepsi commercial. It's a big deal. Uh, let's see. Yeah, all the other ones were done. There was another good Nike one, like a lone, like just somebody running and music is playing. It's like a very inspirational Nike commercial. It's fitting that we can't see that commercial because he couldn't either. <laughs> yeah, true. Who? Nike? 
Rage. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Nike? <laughs> um... LA Gear was another brand trying to compete uh, with, with yes. Nike. Um, Carl mm-hmm. Malone was in a big Carl Malone's yeah. in a big LA Gear commercial uh, for oh, the, the cat the catapult <laughs> shoes. So it's Carl Malone versus Michael Jordan, Nike versus LA Gear. It's, it's yeah, um, big year for gear too. Game Gear, Game Gear, yeah, Game a- Gear a- and, and LA, LA gear. gear, yeah, all about gear, uh, gear up. Uh, let's see. There is I mean, one major thing that it's going to take me a while to cover, but I don't care. It's important. Um, so you have the Minnesota Twins won the World Series. U.S. won the Women's World Cup. Um, in the NBA, this is the start of the Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan winning six titles in eight seasons. This year kind of starts that. So big Michael Jordan okay. year. Magic Johnson announces he has HIV ending his NBA, NBA career right. also in 1991. He retired right after this announcement. But the biggest sporting event, I think, in 1991 is the first ever World Bowl. Do you guys know what the World Bowl is? World Bowl? Um, Or ball? It's called the World Bowl. Bowl. It is... uh, Is it a... Is it it a... Foosball? Good guess. Brandon? Or is it like bullfighting? World Bowl. (laughs) Um, So... It is the championship game of the World League of American Football, which existed. It's called the World League of American Football. Oh, man. Um, okay. The World Bowl. So it was later renamed NFL Europe, but it started uh, as the World League of American Football or the, oh, wow. w, or the WLAF. So it was 10 football teams initially. It started in 1991. It was meant to serve as like a spring developmental league for the NFL. Okay. So it was like the football spring season. So seven of the 10 teams were in North America and the other three were in Europe. And mm-hmm. this format only lasted two years and then it returned in 1995 with six teams all in Europe. So basically, and I'm going to, and I have a clip. I, I hope you guys can see some of it. This was a way bigger deal in Europe. Like the U.S. teams, North American teams, it was not successful at all. It was huge in Europe. Like the three of teams course. in Europe, it was a big deal. They followed it closely. It was backed by the NFL. The original team names were the Birmingham Fire, Sacramento Surge, uh, <laughs> San Antonio Riders, um, Montreal Machine, <laughs> uh, New York, New Jersey Knights. It was called New York, New Jersey Knights. <laughs> New York, New Jersey <laughs> Uh, Orlando Thunder, uh, Raleigh Durham Skyhawks, Barcelona Dragons, that were in Europe, uh, Frankfurt Galaxy, German team, and London. The Bangladesh and the Bangladesh Cyclones. <laughs> and the Bangladesh Cyclones, right. Yeah. right. Uh-huh. And the London Monarchs. Um, the first world. <laughs> Monarchs? The uh, first, yeah. The first World Bowl was between the London Monarchs and the Barcelona Dragons. So two Europe teams in the championship, none of the North American teams. The London Monarchs kicked their butt. They won 20 to zero. They, they play this in Wembley Stadium. Oh, nice. And I saw the clip. It's like, it's packed. Like this was like, this was a big deal. Um, wow. Europe just in general kind of dominated the whole season. Um, God, there were some clips of this game that I have. I hope because actually the audio is, is probably just, is probably fine, honestly. I have some because like the whole game is available on YouTube, and I picked out a couple of moments just from mostly commentary that I wanted to show you guys. 
Um, <laughs> also, um, YouTube comment under this video that I'm going to share with you guys by Jonathan White. Dear Millennials, the NFL created this league. <laughs> that's, that's it. Oh, and also, the World League of American Football in 1991 lost $7 million. <laughs> so oh, it was... It was just overall not a success. That's why it only lasted for two years. But it was a much bigger deal in Europe. Like I said. <laughs> like I said. All right. So this is from the game itself. Um, you are looking live at famed Wembley Stadium in London, England, where World Bowl 91 matches the two teams with the best records in the World League, the Barcelona Dragons and the London Monarchs. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome. I'm Brad Musburger. It's been quite a journey. Started 12 weeks ago for us down in Barcelona, Spain, and here we are. It's been fascinating watching American football being exported so successfully to three countries in Europe, and yes, in Montreal, Canada. The same, obviously, is not true back in the United States, and the league will try to address some of those problems in the offseason. For example, media coverage. Take a look at the USA Today here Watch. in Europe. The big banner headline is on the hottest ticket in Europe. And about two hours ago... Yeah, so I wanted to make sure to show that, that it just got this cover of the USA Today in Europe. It was on the front page that, like, this game was happening. Wow. Like, so it was... Yeah, so it was just a very big deal. Um, I also wanted to show this quickly. This interview with the quarterback... I don't remember if it's the quarterback of London or I think it's of the of the London quarterback. Um, I'm gonna play this clip. The defense that confused you, or did you just have an off day? Uh, I think it was a combination of things. You know, I didn't throw the ball very well. We had a couple balls dropped, but you know that's last week, and now we got to focus on the Monarchs. You talk about your offensive line, though. The Nasty Boys said a lot of <laughs> lot of things before the game the last time, but you are in fact the only team that they didn't get a sack from. So you've really got a solid line in front of you. Definitely. So I just wanted to show the they they refer to the offensive line as the Nasty Boys. <laughs> like so, it's, yeah. So. It's just like, I guess, like a really tough group that is his offensive line on the team. They're just referred to as the Nasty Boys. So he's an American, uh, other highlights he's an American from this playing game. in uh, Europe. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, like a, it's like a developmental league right. for the NFL. These are like all NFL players. Gotcha. Yeah. It's like a lot of younger guys yeah, trying to, make, trying to be something in the NFL, basically. That's, that's what I took yeah. away it's from It's kind it. of like um, um, in college when you do like a... a um, Semester abroad. Why can't I say that word? Abroad. Semester abroad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. There. Oh, look at this. Look at this sign, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I froze it at a great moment. So it's uh, a sign says "Nasty Boys Eat Dragons," because uh, <laughs> that's the, the team name is the Dragons or the Nasty Boys. I wanted to play this specifically. Listen to the song that's playing in this arena at the end of this game. You hear it? Oh, yellow submarine. Yellow yeah. submarine. <laughs> like, look at these dudes. Like, I've never ever thought of yellow submarine as like a football arena song. Sports. Anthem? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all singing along to yellow submarine, like going nuts. And then one more. Uh, th- this that is looks like, like fun. Yeah, like there's so many people. They're like they're having a blast. Like this was like a big deal. Um. They were starving for Man. for American football over there in, in <laughs> Europe. They do this now, just it's once a year. 
or twice a year. Like they play the London game in the NFL every season. Yeah. Um, okay. So this is a song that plays at the end of the game. I guess this is like the anthem for this team and the, and the fans. It's all, it's cool. Yeah, that song "All Right Now" by Free is just by like an Free, anthem. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right now. <laughs> so that gets people really, pumped up. That's like a mid rocker, mid tempo rocker. I know, yeah, but like they're very all very mid rocker. So they sang along at the end of this game to "Yellow Submarine" and "All Right Now." Like those were the two like jams for this football team. So. This was like an insane thing. I watched clips of this game and this this league didn't last very long, but while it did, it looked like and I was reading the YouTube comments as like people like I remember this game, this league, this was so fun. We loved that like like in in London and Europe, they loved they loved it. They loved American so football being brought there. Yeah, and it was just like a a thing that lasted for a couple of years and I wanted to talk about it. That was what what was going on in sports and in 1991, the uh, the World Bowl. <laughs> World Bowl. I'm sure some of our UK listeners are going to like that one. Yeah, nostalgic. But yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. And they're just, they celebrate by listening to Yellow Submarine. <laughs> well, a football kind of looks like a, sub, like a submarine. Um, I guess. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Yeah. I said kind of. I said kind of. I, ne- I never said completely. Um, are you done with your sports thing? Yeah, that's uh, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cause I'll do my last segment. Dandin, dandin. And it is, of course, 1991 fashion, fashion, fashion. And this is ex- this is going to be very exciting because we're doing the first ever Dan and Brave presents fashion show. Oh my. What? We're going to take a look at some of the materials and some of the, some of the cloths that made a real crease uh, <laughs> this year of fashion in, of 1991. <laughs> and guys, you know how like last year in politics we discussed the famous Gang of 7? Yeah. Remember those guys? I do. How can I forget? <laughs> yeah, the seven uh, Republican representatives that, um, yeah, they really shook up the world of Washington. Well, um, you can think of these next fashion items as kind of like the gang of seven of the fashion world. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like the art pieces. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I didn't really think about that. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's kind of yeah similar to that too. So we're gonna do a nice little fashion show. You know, they're gonna walk down the Danden Bravo official runway. Very excited uh, to show you guys that it just got constructed over the um, last couple weeks. So glad to finally put that to use. And listeners, you can follow our 1991 fashion show along visually at home by checking out our 1991 fashion post on Instagram at Dan and Brave Presents. But now, it's time to ask the question, who are they wearing? First down the runway, are you guys excited by the way? Of course. Yes. yes. First down the runway from the high fashion Vogue world is a nameless model. Check this piece out, you see it? Mm-hmm. Very cool. 
It's a nameless model strutting head to toe in white garments crafted by Yoji Yamamoto. Featuring a asymmetric off-the-shoulder jumpsuit with rope detail and an aerodynamic white linen hat. Pretty cool, right? Yeah, that hat is wild. Yeah, the hat, it kind of looks like, like a toilet tank cover. <laughs> totally. <laughs> the, it looks like the Starship Enterprise. Like It looks yeah. like the Star Trek ship. It, it looks like a larger, speaking of football, it looks like a larger cup. You know, like that sports thing the cup yeah yes like, like the like the groin cup yes exactly yeah. anyway a lot of cyclists wear this unique hat when they want to look a little more fancy on the the pavement <laughs> and it works per- beautifully in the wind because it's of course aerodynamic <laughs> next down the runway here's something more reasonable for the every woman <laughs> uh, okay we have a catalog model posing in a turquoise turtleneck tucked into some motherly blue jeans. A popular casual fashion, cash fash look of the year. Very maternal, very homey, yet at the same time, very stylish. Maybe you saw your mothers wear something like this uh, in 1991, guys. I mean, guys. where the jeans are, how high, this is very current Brooklyn. This this has made a return. True. This is yes. th- this is current fashion, which uh, I love. And you know, I love seeing that. I can tell you exactly what this is uh, is uh, inspired by is Demi Moore and Ghost. Same haircut. Wow. And Big time. Same look. Yeah. I like that shirt. I kind of want this shirt. I like this shirt. I kind of want that shirt too. Yeah. <laughs> it looks. It looked like the fabric looks like very like dense. You know, it doesn't look just like light material. It looks like it's got a like a nice little weight to it. Got some girth to it. Yeah. Dave, you should start wearing earrings like that. Okay. Yeah, I'll do clip-ons like <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. You, you should get into the earring game. I, I'm I'm down with that. I still I still want to commit to the hole. Um. <laughs> but. <laughs> Oh yeah, like we did that one night. Did we pee sure that one night? Yeah, it happened twice actually in my life as a drunk person. Um, <laughs> anyway, I feel like you guys kind of like vibed with this a little bit more than the last uh, piece. Yeah, this is, this is a little bit more down to earth. So, anyway, here's the third coming down the the catwalk, the catwalk right meow. Uh, <laughs> we have the famous. This is kind of more exclusive upper class stuff because this is uh the very famous princess die yeah. smiling on a yacht rocking a colorful florally patterned bikini swimsuit by gotex that's the brand um okay princess die was known to make this brand of swimwear a must on boats and beaches in all of the 90s and this is just one great example of many man she's really cool so she was so cool yeah, this was like kind of a big deal, like uh, her wearing swimwear in, in, the, in the 90s. Like, right. Yeah, and, yeah. Like, oh my God, did you see what Princess oh Di was? Did you see what Princess Di? Oh my God. What's she doing? What's she doing? What's she doing? Yeah, she's kind of like the anti Victorian. Um, her shades are cool too. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to throw shades at the shade, but uh, the Gotex was really a big deal. So, number four, you know, okay, this year, uh, of course, the It couple was Kurt and Court, so it's only apt that the next clothing item 
would be something more of the the flannel world. <laughs> uh, plaid, which uh, made a strong fall fashion entry in 91. The item we're seeing here is a hip flannel suit jacket by Oscar de la Renta. Now, speaking of royal, it kind of looks like a little bit of the royal guard with that headpiece there. Definitely. Totally, like a Buckingham Palace uh, guard. Yeah. So this is by Oscar de la Renta, who also made coats and even furs in the plaid pattern. Can you believe furs in the pad? In the plaid pattern? (laughs) Furs in the plaid? Uh, Oh my god. (laughs) Although de la Renta is a Dominican designer, the only thing that keeps popping in my head when I see this is Scotty. <laughs> yeah. Scotty. Very, very Scottish. <laughs> um, okay. Now down the runway. Here we go. This is pretty cool because this is a supermodel double dose, which I think I think my doctor should personally prescribe me. I would love that. Uh, we got. <laughs> We got Kate Moss and Naomi Campbell hand in hand. Oh, my God. Classic. Kind of like Thelma and Louise. This is during London's Fashion Week. They're wearing their own renditions of schoolgirl chic attire. Kate bearing a furry white thingy, (laughs) a light blue mini skirt, and see-through stocking. And Naomi, uh, a blue red plat skirty dress type piece with knee-high blue socks and platform shoes yeah her 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 shoes have about what i mean not even just the heels but they have at least like six or seven inches under the main foot oh yeah so between that and the high high leg boots her legs look like they're 18 feet tall (laughs) totally this is the picture that i think of all the ones you've shown so far like is very 90s like fashion this pic this one in particular okay well the other ones existed okay they were from the 90s too though (laughs) (laughs) this is all from the 90s yeah but that one picture i did my research one picture like i thought it was a girl in brooklyn like that i saw like a a couple months ago like it (laughs) it could have easily been that uh the the scottish one who knows like um (laughs) this is like because I, I feel like they wear very similar outfits to this a few years later in Clueless. Like, this looks like something they wearing in Clueless. I was, yeah, I was just yeah. going to say, this is like... this is like Almost feels early. Yeah. Proto Clueless Spice Girls vibe. Yeah. These two uniforms just scream, high class is in session. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's schoolgirl chic, so... Yeah. That's why we did that one. Okay, so number... <laughs> Number six of the gang of seven in the fashion world. Here we go. We've already seen some royalty with Princess Di. And we just saw some double dosing with Kate and Naomi. Well, how about a double dose of royalty? And specifically from the pop kingdom. Here we go. (laughs) It's, uh, It's pop royalty, Madonna and Michael Jackson. Arriving at the 63rd annual Academy Awards in the most glamorous Hollywood outfits to date. Madonna, of course, in a glittery strapless gown, a fur stall, and Harry Winston jewelry, and MJ in a sequin cream blazer, paired with his iconic gloves. Um, mm. Madonna, this is Marilyn Monroe, like, which she was big into doing, like, Marilyn Monroe 
tributes, basically. Like, this right. is exactly what this so, is. Yeah. Marilyn Monroe, very 90s, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> it's what she was going for, clearly. Okay, Dave? No, no. No, I I agree. I, I'm kind of realizing, like, this is not that 90s at all. Like, this one specifically is like... <laughs> yeah. This is very, like, hearkening back to a different era. So, yeah. Hee <laughs> hee. Oopsie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so anyway, number seven. Let's cap it off with a big, big, big... This is actually the most 91, I think. I definitely nailed it with this last Tom one. Tom Cruise? Hmm? Is it Tom Cruise? No. What? Just Tom Cruise? Yeah, like, just that's like, not fashion. That's a person. Something he's wearing. Okay, well, you're kind of close. <laughs> so it has to do with an actor, or a couple actors, actually. Um, we are so fortunate to have... Here we go. A floating <laughs> Planet Hollywood denim jacket. <laughs> yeah. Which was worn by diners of the just opened this year restaurant chain by action stars Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and Bruce Willis. These jackets were out of this world and had people exclaiming, What planet are you from? <laughs> and then the people would say in reply, Planet Hollywood, of course. Wait, so this jacket in particular was worn by all three of them, or they each wore one of these? No, I never said they wore it. it I said they oh. the diners wore it. But oh. it is it is Bruce Bruce and Sly's and Arnold's yeah. um, restaurant chain. I've seen the Planet Hollywood jackets before. I, I forgot that they're denim. Isn't there, like, another one? Yeah, there's denim and there's, like, leather, like the, like okay. the colorful leather, That's too. what, yeah. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. But denim is more 90s, for sure. Yeah. And I kept reading the blogs from this year. Everybody said denim. Everybody said denim. So <laughs> this is why I went with the denim route instead of the leather route. Okay? Denim. All- but I think I nailed it with this one. Den- Planet Hollywood is very 91. Denim brave. Denim is all. <laughs> denim is also something that's made a big comeback last like five years or so. Yeah, I feel like I see a lot of women rocking denim jackets. A lot of girls. That's true. There's always been denim, denim below the belly. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of denim above the belly now, or around the belly too. <laughs> yeah. Crop denim, yeah, like, denim crop top, just above the belly. Yeah. De- <laughs> denim uh, belly button piercings. Denim bra. Dan and bra. Okay, so that's it. And um, after all that catwalking, I think I could use a cat nap and a shit and a piss and a and some cat litter because <laughs> I'm I'm tired. Till next year, guys. Fashion, fashion, fashion. Danden, Danden. Where are you? Okay, so where are they now? The legends of the 1980s board bills, boardament. Uh, on this segment, we like to check out where exactly those 80s, you know, these legends of the, of the 80s boardman are just in these years, in the 90s. And let's catch up on some pretty big stars of that tournament in 91. This first one, she awed and oohed us in the 1985 Board Bills boardman <laughs> with her sultry song, Private Dancer. It's the lady with the legs, Tina Turner. Where is she now in 1991? Well, her and her old beau, Ike, are inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Hmm. So congrats to them. 
a lot of great work. Um, however, Ike Turner was incarcerated at the, t- at the time, and Tina Turner did not attend the ceremony. Stating through her publicist, she was taking a leave of absence following her foreign affair European tour, and that she felt emotionally unequipped to return to the U.S. and respond to the night of celebration in the manner she would want. So no show. No show by Ike and Tina. But a person who does a pretty good Tina Turner impression, Phil Spector, accepted the honor on their behalf. So couldn't get Tina or Ike, but we got Phil. And it's a pretty close second. So, Dan, (laughs) what do you think? Uh, keep going. Uh, I, okay. I, yeah. Like I don't. <laughs> Nothing to say. No. Nope. All right. So this. Okay. That was the first. Where Where are they now? But this is probably our biggest. Where are they now? Story to date. This sir surprised us with his band Survivors track and the Ooh. 1987 board Bills Boardament. It's lead vocalist of Survivor Jim uh, Jamie Jameson, of course. Sorry, Jimmy Jameson, of course. Right. Who. Go Jimmy Go.net said was the top rock vocalist of all time. <laughs> right. All time. Beating out uh, Robert Plant and Freddie Mercury, of course. That's right. Yep. Well, in 1991, he's doing pretty good because he writes this legendary TV theme song. Do you know about this one? No. He wrote okay. it. Well, I'm trying to think. Is it? It's probably. Is it in the vein of like his normal shit? Like his, his Survivor? But, uh, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. We wrote a TV theme in 91. It wouldn't be too surprising. American Gladiator. <laughs> uh, kind of close. These are really good looking people in the show. Baywatch. Baywatch. Sorry, I'm saying that. What's up? Is it Baywatch? Oh my god, you're you're right. Because Yeah, uh, that's uh, yeah. okay. He wrote the TV theme. That's a hundred percent in the vein of Survivor, the Baywatch theme. Like you can't get it yeah, any I, you can't get any closer. You should have said, yeah, like, very much so when I asked that question. Okay, but it's, it's pretty, it's, it's so close to Survivor. <laughs> Whatever, man. <laughs> okay, here we go. So let's bay listen to this great theme song by Jimmy Jameson. <laughs> oh, it is the singer of Survivor. Uh, yeah, I never realized that was him. I didn't, yeah, I didn't know the singer of Survivor. Yeah, that sounds, that, that makes a lot of sense. That's the voice. Yeah. That's the voice. Yeah. I can't believe I never put that together. It sounds like him, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. It makes so much sense. Yeah. It's the same kind of, like, positive energy, too. Yeah. Like... <laughs> Great. Great work. Wow. Keeping wow. his legacy going in the, in the 90s. Very good job. I love that music video of him doing the theme song, like walking around on the Baywatch beach. <laughs> I wish that's how like the opening of the show actually was, just showing him instead. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, fuck everybody else. Yeah. Um, okay, and then I very quickly want to do 
1991 albums of note by crucial artists <laughs> they, from the 1980s Bordemans. What's up? See all your notes. <laughs> okay, dude. <laughs> Wait, how do you see that? You're sharing. You're, you're sharing, sharing everything. Your whole screen. You're sharing your whole screen right now. Oh. <laughs> Damn it! I, I, I should I shouldn't have said anything. I would like to would have liked to see your your insane process. <laughs> Damn! No, come on. Uh, but All right. if you knew that we had seen, I know I, I know I would get weirded out. It would bug me, and I wouldn't be able to focus. So. <laughs> All right. Can you see this? You're not sharing anything right now. Oh my god! You were seeing like you were, yeah. You were like highlighting it, and so I thought you were showing it. That you were like, so he, I just want to read you guys this, and you started like highlighting. No. All right. I don't. I didn't catch what it said, but it was your yeah, whole screen was shared. <laughs> it was crazy it's stuff. very funny, just okay. like seeing everything you have on your screen at once. Like. That was pretty. That was pretty fucked up. You had that on your desktop, though. Oh that yeah, that, that, yeah. That one that thing. thing that was really fucked up. That one thing was weird. Oh yeah. yeah. I just need to have it, or I I can't do the do the show. Like. <laughs> it gives me strength. Okay, so here we go. The 1991 <laughs> albums of notes by crucial artists from the 1980s uh, Bordament. These are five huge albums that came out this year. Let's check them out. Uh, see how these artists are doing in 1991. On January 15th, you better give this guy more because the album is called A Little Ain't Enough. A little ain't enough, and it's by Brett Michaels Heavy, aka David Lee Roth. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, let us guess the artist if you name the album. Okay, cool. This is uh, this is a title track. Let's give it a a fair taste. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's good enough for us. Oh, that's a little. That's all the a little we need. A little is enough for us. Okay, so on to March twenty fifth, twenty first, twenty first. Okay, Colin. This Firth. might be the first time it's ever been <laughs> yeah. played in America because this album was actually exclusively released in Japan. Okay, that's a fun tidbit. This title is spooky, but in a pervy kind of way because it's called "Checking Out the Ghost." By can you guess? In a pervy is what you said, pervy kind of way. <laughs> yeah, it's called checking out the ghosts. So it's spooky in a pervy. Did you say anything way. about the artist yet? I missed it. Sorry. No, there's no clues at all. Uh, <laughs> but it's an '80s artist. Oh yeah, um, big time. Checking out the ghost. Only released in Japan. Let me help you out. It's Kim Carnes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of uh, where I was leaning when you said pervy, so... Yeah. Um, you know what? I'm not going to play it because it's on YouTube, but uh, when I release this, this podcast, it'll be the first time anybody in, in America will hear this song. Wow. <laughs> it's the title track, Checking Out the Ghost. Japanese only release for her Japanese fans, Kim Carnes. Okay, on June 14th, okay, so maybe leave the mittens and the winter coat at home for this one because the album is called Unusual Heat. Unusual Heat. And it's by our favorite 
rock and roll outsiders. Our favorite rock and roll outsiders. They're uh, they're not from here originally. That's right. Uh, it's it's Farner. Oh. <laughs> Let's hear Low Down and Dirty from the album. Kind of a truck yeah vibe. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, seriously. Wait, I want to hear the vocal. Okay. <laughs> My God. It sounds like David, the Lee, David Roth. Lee Roth shit. My God. Rock like is this. really thriving in 91 still. Uh, Jeez. Okay, so on August 20th of 1991, his daddy famously wrote, Help? Well, I think he's one-upped him with this album called Help Yourself. It's Help Yourself by... McCartney? Uh, James McCartney? No, he was too young. <laughs> Julian Lennon. Oh, it's Lennon. <laughs> of Help. the Bordament, of course. Help, yeah. This is what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's Help Yourself. Here's the title track. Give it to us, Jules. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like what could have been if, if John didn't die. It would have sounded just like that. God. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, on September 3rd, we checked in on them last year. And we'll do the same this year because it looks like we've still got an infestation of hair metal group Rat. Yes. <laughs> yes, the Indomitable Rat puts out their much-anticipated Greatest Hits compilation, Ooh. Rat and Roll, 81 to 91. My God. <laughs> Covering the fantastic years of 1981 to 1991, a decade of dickheads. <laughs> Let's hear this crunchy song, originally from the Point Break soundtrack. Oh. It's Nobody Rides for Free by Rat. It's building like a tidal wave. Kind of surfy. Oof. Hell yes. <laughs> Let's not use the poison on them because we got to hear rat for many years to come. Yeah, wait. And that's where are they now? Wow. All right. God, you rocked hard. Yeah, I think all rockers. Minus Kim Carnes and Tina Turner. She rocks. Tina Turner. Yeah, I guess they rock a bit. Rock a bitty. Okay, so we have one more segment, and then we will say goodbye to this great year, 1991. Dandin, dandin. That's right. This is the in memoriam, in borneum section. But what we do is we say goodbye to some people that we lost throughout the year, and we say hello to some people that we will grow to have in our lives. Dan, I forgot to bring this up during your toy segment, but there was a, a man that died this year by the name of Jack Ryan. Not, uh, and no, I'm not, not talking about that. Jack Ryan, not, right? Not talking about I'm not talking about the fictional character. Jack Ryan. Okay. Not that Jack Ryan. Not that Jack Ryan. Okay. Okay. What? Talking about the man Jack Ryan who 
had two very interesting jobs. Okay, he worked at the the toy company Mattel, uh, where he was responsible for the Barbie doll, oh, Hot Wheels, wow. and Chatty Cathy. He and was Shaggy Cathy, Chatty Cathy. Oh, Chatty Cathy. Okay. Yes. He also was the sixth husband of Zaza Gabor. Mm. And right. he also worked, he also was like an aerospace engineer uh, and developed, helped develop a Vroom X-15 Velocipede engine, a rocket-powered aircraft. <laughs> so, oh. uh kind of weird that the name of Jack Ryan did have something to do with engineering military intelligence and he died in 1991 <laughs> the creator, or I guess not the creator of the Barbie, but was partially responsible for its success and though we lost Mr. Jack Ryan we got Ed Sheeran you know, and this is not about a fair trade or anything, but Ed Sheeran was born so welcome to the world, Ed Sheeran That isn't a fair trade <laughs> Um, but he started in that Game of Thrones episode. <laughs> um, uh, we lost <laughs> singer Serge Gainsbourg, right? Uh, Musician. Great. Um, and uh, we got Travis Scott. Travis Scott was born. Good trade. That's uh, a good trade. Nice. That's equal. Good trade. We lost uh, <laughs> lyricist Howard Ashman, who was the lyricist for things such as Little Shop of Horrors, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast. We lost him, 1991. Howard Assman? Yeah, Howard Assman. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Seinfeld. Yeah, Seinfeld. Um, well, you know, we gained an ass woman, I guess, with Emily Ratajkowski. Um, oh, true. Not that that's what she's reduced to, but, you know, you said Assman and made the connection. You pig. Uh, we lost three big directors... Three Hollywood directors, David Lean, Don Siegel, and Frank Capra. Those are big ones. Um, yeah, three real real big Hollywood directors. Um, but born this year was Tyler, the Creator, Young Thug, and the Baby. Ah. Yeah, those are great. Great. Love great, them all. Great selections. Yes. Love them all. Uh, we lost jazz legends, Stan Getz saxophone player and Miles Davis uh, shit uh, two big jazz le- legends um, but we gained two stars of Atlanta Lakeith Stanfield and Zazie Beetz um, tight fourth both born this year we lost Gene Roddenberry responsible for Star Trek and we gained Kawhi Leonard huh NBA champion <laughs> oh NBA guy reigning NBA yeah NBA champion we lost a man named Ian McClellan Hunter. It is not Ian McKellen. It is Ian McClellan. Uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what he did, but we lost him. Um, but we gained Azealia Banks. Okay. <laughs> uh, so. Oh, great! Good trade. Yeah. Good trade. Okay. Um, She's an EP called 1991, right? Yes, exactly. Makes sense now. Um, and we lost Freddie Mercury in 1991. Mm, damn. Second greatest rock vocals of all time. Second great, yeah, yeah. behind uh, Jimmy Jameson. Um, but we gained O'Shea Jackson Jr., you know, Ice Cube's son. Great actor. 
Um, wow, he had a baby around the peak of his uh, yeah career, Ice Cube. Yeah. Well, music career. Yeah, and and also uh, an old an old friend of the theater of mine, uh, Addison Timlin, who is an actress. It was very cool to see her on this list. Uh, she was on a Californication, starred in a couple movies. Uh, Thomas, stand-up guys. Uh, shout out to an old, very old friend of mine. <laughs> Hello, said old friend of mine. Old friend of mine. Yep. And uh, and then finally, uh, finally, Doctor Seuss, gone. Damn, it's a big one too. Finally, all finally. The, all, yeah, all the places he will go, and we got. But you know, born that year was also Fetty Wap and Mike Trout, infamous pairing. So yep. welcome to the world, everybody, and goodbye crossing over to everyone else. Damn. It really puts life into perspective, this segment. When l- one life ends, another begins. And who knows, maybe some of these, you know, uh, deaths and births overlapped and, you know, you know, their life, they're just an- the same soul living in another body. You know, maybe, maybe Freddie Mercury is Kawhi Leonard. Who knows? Probably. Probably. Yeah. Most yeah. likely. Likely. Okay. Well, thank you. It's a little sad, but it's also a little sweet. It's bittersweet. And that brings us to the bittersweet ending to our, to our show in general, the 1991 Dan and Bravo uh, episode. Hmm. Yeah. Hey, you know how news mag- <laughs> these news magazine show can run three plus hours long? <laughs> Sometimes this is yeah. <laughs> hey, sometimes. Hey, sometimes it's so jam packed, they just let it run. You got some good, so so much juicy uh, material, they just gotta let it run. Yeah. I mean, it's always very um, informative. We have a lot. We have a lot to say on this topic. So I don't know. Maybe next year we'll we'll not say as much, but. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> Guys, thanks for uh, stopping by. We're teaching the youth, as uh, we learned on Twitter last week or something. People are learning a lot about their decade they're being born into, which was the 90s. So glad to do that. And um, we're an educational podcast first. Definitely entertainment second, I'd say. Uh, yeah. <laughs> definitely more of a secondary thing, the entertaining part. But hey. Glad to glad to hear you. Uh, glad to know you guys. <laughs> glad to hear you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what a, it's what a great I'm closing out. sentiment. <laughs> glad to know you. <laughs> I don't feel the same way. I don't feel the same way. Sorry, I'm a little tired that after that catwalk. I need to take a cat nap. <laughs> yeah. So why don't we right, sign well, off? Yeah, let's sign off. I'm presenter Please. Brandon. <laughs> this is 1991. See you in the tournament next week. Uh, Presenter Danny, uh, Dan and Bravo, High Octane News Magazine. (laughs) 1991. And this is Presenter Dave Cologne. See you at the torn. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Or as David Spade would say, bye-bye. Bye-bye. My hero. Bye. 90s. There goes my hero. <laughs> I think that's I think that's 90s. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Bye. Danden, Danden. Thank you and TY for listening to Dan and Brave Presents. You can follow us on Twitter at Dan and Brave and on Instagram and Facebook at Dan and Brave Presents. God bless you all and long live Dan and Brave. <laughs>